Hello, welcome to episode 102 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and him, Renfrey Deadman. Renfrey, Renfrey, my very own Renfrey. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing? I feel, I feel um, owned at the moment, mm. um, but in, in a nice way, yeah. Oh, right. Um, not in a kind of... Not, like, not in oh, a kind of like, oh, you got owned! But I, just because you said my very own rent for it, it was very sweet. It's yeah. one of the sweetest things you've ever said to me. Thank you, Steve. It's taken from um, the League of Gentlemen. Is it now? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You watch the League of Gentlemen. Oh, don't start this. Oh, you don't Have like you, you don't like comedy that I don't like uh, and all this. Yeah, don't start I, I this thing again. I just assumed you'd loved the League of Gentlemen. I never really got it. No, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. All right. Do you want to start again? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to... No I, I meant, do you want to start life again? Maybe I should start life again and start <laughs> yeah. watching these fucking watch, things. Watch, well, you can't watch League of Gentlemen now. Apparently, they've uh, it's been cancelled. It's been cancelled, yeah. So, it's been banned. You know, can't, you can't watch, watch it. it. Boo. Um, anyway, on this week's show, Renfrey, you've picked five albums as a catch-up. Five albums that we have missed from 2020. I say we've missed. One of them is out today, uh, if you're listening to this show. So, not really missed. But we're going back to get five albums that you have chosen from 2020 to talk about. Those that's, albums are... That's accurate, yes. Yeah. Those albums are from Sleep Makes Waves, Martin Gretsch, Wilder Run, Modern Rituals and Dogleg. Plus, on Broken Records, Fear of a Dead Man here with literally nothing interesting to say for themselves <laughs> and their fourth album... The truth is, um, we should say thank you very much. If you are a patron, we're continuing to put up content as much as we possibly can at patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. If you'd like to help us out in a monetary sense, then obviously we would be delighted with that for any amount of money. You can get our recent rioters review on Sons of the Pioneers by the Workhorse Movement. Now, some of you might be going, oh, another one of Renfrey's random post-rock bands that no one's heard of. (laughs) (laughs) They might be. They actually might be, mm, but um, yeah, might be. You would you would be wrong to think that that's what they are in this uh, case. Yes, in that in that case, yes. Um, workhorse movement, Renfrey. Do you want to explain what the workhorse movement are for people who are uninitiated? Crikey, a product of the um, early two thousands, I would say the workhorse movement are often lumped in with new metal, uh, predominantly because of um, how they looked. I think there are definitely elements of new metal. There's elements of all sorts of music, as we discussed, Hmm. although maybe not to the extent that they would like to make out that there's as many elements to their music. But yes, um, but like definitely an interesting band, but very much a product of their time. Mm. so that is up for anyone who signs up for any amount of money whatsoever thank you very much for your contributions if you want to sign up for five dollars a month i'm going to start saying dollars because that's actually less than pounds isn't it we've been saying five pounds it's actually five dollars with the current exchange rate who fucking knows i mean i mean the way things are going five dollars might end up being 50 quid sooner or later so (laughs) i don't know who who knows but anyway (laughs) for five dollars on our five dollar tier a new classic album series podcast went up it was my pick talking about park life by Mm. blur Mm. quite a few people enjoying that some people go in it's not as good as modern life is rubbish thank you Mm. thank you to everyone who's made the um who will enjoy this podcast all the people joke Uh, (laughs) loads of you made that joke and it amused me every single time i think you did as well didn't you steve i I did yeah i did i made that joke um yeah someone actually pulled you up a couple of people pulled you up on calling oasis scouse 
mm. uh, which I don't even remember you doing. I don't remember doing it either, but I'm, a sh- I'm mm. sure I did. Oh, well. Yeah. You were being bawdy, weren't you? I was being bawdy, Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get that one. I get that reference. Yeah. Good, yeah. good, good. Um, also, we put up for free, if you don't want to sign up for anything at all, we put up an old Riot Ears review from way back in the past where we were talking about Welcome to Sky Valley by oh. Caius. And that's up for anyone now. We're not going to go too much into Caius and why Caius are great here because, well, you should already know why. But anyway, um, <laughs> patreon.com forward slash right podcast. Go and uh, check it out. There's plenty of stuff over there happening as we speak. And we appreciate, as I said before, all of your contributions. Um, I, this week, Renfrey, I uh, have been ill. Yeah, you've had start. an absolutely My horrid God. week by the sounds I of it. I have. I had a temperature of 103. 103? Yeah. Uh, and it was 103.2 at one point. It was very close to being like, you get to 104 and that's like your brain starts to melt, apparently. <laughs> is that? And I'm not is, even joking. That, apparently that is true. Really? Who told I mean, I don't you this? Know. My girlfriend told me that. <laughs> They don't even have health insurance in. Well, they do have health insurance, but they don't. They don't even have like a proper NHS. You can't trust anything she says. No, fair enough. She doesn't know anything um, about healthcare. <laughs> no, she, well, she should fucking the amount of money she pays for it. She fucking should. Do. But anyway, um, yeah, I've been so ill. So I have like, I'm going to say this straight away. I was so fucking ill that I just laid curled up in a sort of in the fetal position. Fetal position, yeah. Um, just dying for about four days so i've not had much of a chance to listen to the albums that you've picked this week so this is very much a you will be carrying me um but one of the things that i did do when i felt a little bit better i sat in my bed i sat up i got my little laptop in front of me i had a nice piece of buttered toast which is the first (laughs) thing that i'd eaten in about four days because you went you went straight you went straight for the butter did you because even that's a bit risky well, what else was I? I, I tried Marmite at first. No, mar- no, no, no. You should just have a plain piece of toast. Oh, C- who consi- wants a plain piece of toast? Well, no one does. But considering what had happened to you, well, which you were about to explain. I mean, please don't explain it in the graphic way that you well, explained it to me no, over I the was, phone. I was about to say my down there was like, and I nearly said Clapham Common, but, <laughs> but I meant Clapham Junction. Although in some ways it was a bit like Clapham Common as well. But, <laughs> I don't know but, what that even means. Oh, that's fine. Some, be- some people will know. Okay. But basically, I was had a very, very... I thought it was the coronavirus. Turns out it was a it was a bug, just a really bad stomach a bug. A very, very nasty stomach bug, yes. Really, really nasty. But when I was feeling a bit better, I decided to, to purchase um, a mirror or a distant light, the Trivium live stream that they did on Friday. I was planning on having a few beers, getting some mm. of my metal friends, not you, you weren't invited. Um <laughs> Fair some enough. of my metal, so yeah, some of my metal <laughs> friends over Zoom, and we we're going to sit there and watch Trivium. Um, but I didn't get to do that. But I did sort of wake up uh, later on in the week and actually bought it. I and heard they made a hell of a hullabaloo about it uh, in, ter- in terms of they went to a lot of effort with this particular stream over yeah. what a lot of other bands have done. Can you um, go into a bit more detail about that? Well, first of all, I think in terms of a metal band, you know, Trivium have always been. Um, pretty forward thinking in terms of how they can use the internet for their advantage. Yeah. Matt 
Heathy is big on Twitch, as we've said a whole bunch of times. And, you know, they did a whole full-blown pre-show with a support slot from Silosis and, you know, loads of kind of info from all the... Um, the, the sort of backstage stuff and some interviews and, and, you know, and so if you were trying to make it as much like a, you know, an event and a, uh, like going to a gig, you know, you want to go and have a drink before and you want to get mm-hmm. kind of hyped up and stuff. And so they did that. And then they played, um, obviously in an empty venue, um, in an arena with a full kind of stage show. In an arena. Multi- wow. Yeah. Multi-cam, um, you know, as if it were, a full-blown you know dvd record um and i mean obviously i woke up and i had a little look on twitter a couple of days later and i suddenly saw these things going oh my god oh my god it's fantastic it's fantastic and um watching it on your own you don't get quite you know i think there is a way of doing that like like i say getting someone on zoom and watching it and having the we we did the download tv me and a few people um that weekend and uh and that was quite cool watching mm. that with people, you know, just being on, you know, a Zoom chat and watching the download TV stuff at the same time. And it did feel like a bit of a kind of communal thing. Um, Trivium got like 15,000 people buying that. $9, mm. $9 to yeah. watch the live stream. And it's a really clever way of utilizing that. That doesn't seem like a lot of money to me, $9. It's to consider- watch a, sh- a concert of a band that you really like. I think with the effort that they've gone into particularly, that does sound pretty reasonable. You said that it worked mm. out at roughly £7.99 for yeah. uh, the majority of our listeners who are British. Mm. Um, but yes, um, yeah, no, I think that that seems relatively reasonable. Yeah. 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 And they sounded great and it looked fucking great as well. Um, they picked a really killer set list. I mean, I, I, you know, months down the line it's that thing like the catastrophist particularly from that album was the first single and i remember hearing catastrophist and going oh my god this is fucking awesome and then the album came out and because everything else on the album i really love as well i sort of it becomes just another song from it but when they play catastrophist live i was like oh shit i'd forgotten that that was like the first song i heard and how great it was um you know a really really strong set list i mean the fact that they can just chuck in stuff from ascendancy like early on in the set that it would usually be the sort of things that you know 10 years ago they'd be ending their set with and people would be getting the biggest reaction and they're just tossing out like paul harder and strings of the Amata, like fourth song in or whatever as if it's nothing at all mm-hmm. um goes to show what good form trivium are in at the moment and i thought it was really good but more than the fact that i just really really enjoyed it and i thought you know they looked excellent and they sounded excellent um it's the fact that you've got kind of 15,000 people odd buying, paying $9 a pop to watch a live stream of a band. I mean, we were talking about it the other day and we were saying, you know, there's going to be a Nick Cave one soon. Yes. Um, um, Ali Pally. Yes. Uh, it's called Idiot Prayer. It looks absolutely beautiful, I have to say. They've just set up Nick Cave's ground. It's already filmed, you see. And they've just set up Nick Cave's piano, like a grand piano smack bang in the middle of the floor at it's already filmed Palace. yeah it's already been filmed it's not live streamed it's already been filmed see that what's your problem with that well you want to buy it and feel like you're watching something that's going on live right i mean i just buy a dvd of that well i think uh, there's so many cheats and so on and so forth that happen with live albums and live dvds and stuff like that it's exactly the same thing i would argue 
Um, oh, no, you're you're but you're you're paying for a live stream of a live thing that's happening right there and then. I mean, there was a point in the trivium set just before they're about to go into rain where the drum rise the um alex the drummer i think he broke a pedal on his bass drum and they were just about to go into it and matt had to go oh you know something always goes wrong in a trivium show and this is it and this is happening live and mm. you know here's the proof i guess it is happening live and if you pay to see a band live like i don't know like obviously it doesn't really matter but i kind of feel like you would want to go oh shit i'm seeing something that's happening right here and right now you know i wouldn't want to watch a pre-recorded tape of so i want nick cave to be there thinking that he's there doing that right now otherwise you're just paying for you know you're not you're not experiencing something right then and there in the moment i think people are trying to a craving to experience the thing that's happening right then and there and the nick cave one's quite a lot more expensive as well that seems like a bit of a cheat to me i i just don't view it in that way i've i view it like buying a live dvd like buying a metallica cunning stunts or something like that i mean you know metallica aren't getting together and playing that set through every single time i put the dvd in my dvd player no but know. no one's claiming they are though are they really but that's nick not cave, what but that... nick cave isn't claiming he is i mean like it's it's very very apparent and clear from the get-go that it is not a live stream I mean, it doesn't bother me in the slightest because I don't think I don't think there's any way you can recreate a live show um, without being in a venue. Like it's just it's it's kind of a preposterous thing to even try to do. To be honest, I mean, I'm going to see it regardless because I think Nick Cave's fucking phenomenal. But it's sixteen quid um, mm. the uh, this one, so it is basically double the price. Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I He's mean, twice as big, at least, though, isn't he? at least yeah five yeah, times yeah. like 10 yeah. times yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Know, he's a, he's a, he's definitely a bigger artist so that's probably why um but yeah so in that although you know trivium are actually are paying to see them live as opposed to recorded certainly the um i mean for that money it would be kind of nice to be able to have a download of the show as well so that you could watch it back whenever you want. And they have very, I'm just looking at it here. Uh, it says important information. The film will be a, will be streamed as a live experience and will not be available to view online following the event. Please, well, that's interesting to view online mm. following the event. So maybe you do get it as a download. Please note during the event, you will not be able to pause, rewind or fast forward the stream. Who knows? We don't know yet. It's all kind of irrelevant until we find it. But maybe maybe those maybe they will send a download link to people um who bought it afterwards. Which I think that would make it far more worth it. Yeah. Feels more like a cinema ticket than a Yeah. The uh, going to play. Yeah. It's like a, yeah, mm. it's like a cinema ticket. The point is Trivium looked really good and the whole thing and they managed to capture the excitement. I mean, I was watching the Trivium uh stream a few days later so and i thought it was good I so they weren't been... playing live for you <laughs> no no they weren't but they were at the time i fully intended okay. i would have loved if i hadn't have been curled up in a fetal position mm. dying mm. i would have watched it live and my point is is i watched it as a thing going oh this would have been really exciting to watch this live with seeing the tweets come in as they came in and the thing is with the nick cave thing you will get that but what was good about the trivium one is when they did it live the band had screens so they could see what other people what people were saying live then and there so i guess my point is is that they had thought of how can we make this as live for us as the people can make it live for them mm -hmm. and 
you're right in saying that you know it's not possible to recreate you standing in a venue with you know your favorite artist on that stage in front of you that is a very very difficult thing to recreate but i, I impossible i would say yeah impossible <laughs> thing but you know i think there are you can go to incredible lengths these days with technology to be able to make um you know to get as close as you possibly can and i think the way that trivium did it for me is as close as you possibly could come they got everything right in that respect i think for them and for the people watching they got everything right and like i say this is me watching a repeat of it mm-hmm. so you know i if i wanted to pause it and go for a wee i could have paused you could it that, yeah, yeah. you know i could have done that um but i i tried to watch it all in full and i tried to watch it with the idea that oh this is happening live and you know it was a bit harder to do that but i do think you know going through like twitter and you know and instagram and stuff and good as I'm, like following matt and you know following the kind of trivium uh camp and, and everything was going on and seeing all the things that they've been retweeting at the time it looked like people were kind of as invested and as close to something as they possibly could be without it actually being then and there and i think those type of you know it's been a long time since anyone's experienced a true live gig and that's for the goes for the artists as well as the fans so um i'm sure you know that they, they were fucking buzzing to be back on a stage and to actually be getting feedback from their audience there and then mm. as they were playing that must have felt really really exciting for them mm. that's mm. the only reason why i was like i think it is i, I think it's as better for the artist as much as it is the or as good for the artist as it is for the people watching because I they d- need that as well i just feel it's too different approaches really i don't i don't feel like <clears throat> one is better than the other i just think it's two different ways to do it and i mean to be honest i can see you know nick cave doesn't strike me as the sort of person who gives a flying fuck what people think um about his fucking piano playing or whatever or you know he just i just i just don't think it, it actually if the way trivium have approached it feels appropriate to trivium I think the way Nick Cave has approached it feels appropriate to Nick Cave. 15,000 buys, <clears throat> which is pretty good. It's fantastic. Yeah. For, a really me- you know, for, you know, I, I would imagine that um, Trivium will come back and do Wembley Arena. Like <laughs> when we can get back to doing stuff. I do. I think they're probably on. <laughs> will they? Yeah, I think so. You look at some of the acts that have done it over the last few years. You've got Parkway doing uh, when are Wembley. You suggest- when are you suggesting they'll come back and do Wembley Arena? 20, 2021 when people come back and start touring again i wouldn't be surprised if we see an arena show from trivium uh the way that the record has been received the kind of form that they're on at the moment um people's kind of uh, uh, obvious love for the band um and when you look at the bands like sabaton and partway drive and architects having graduated to arena status over the last few years i would now feel very confident that we do get a trivium arena tour of some whether it be ali pally or wembley i think you'll get some sort of trivium ali, arena tour. ali pally seems far more likely to me than wembley, i think i probably have to do ali, pa- ali yeah. pally first yeah i but think anyway i think yeah well look it's not it's not beyond the realms of possibility ali pally stranger things have happened they'd have to put a hell of a bill together it would have to be one of those you know um like four they have to have bills. yeah four band bills and um I don't think it'd sell out, to be totally honest. But but is is it possible that they do that in twenty twenty one? Yes. I think I think if you got a 
Trivium Bullet for My Valentine co-headliner, which doesn't excite me as an idea. That would but sell those, out. But, but that would probably but Bullet sell can out. Do, but Bullet can do Ali Pali on their own, can't they? they probably have to. not now. Probably not now they couldn't. No, they won't. did. They did two nights at two or three nights at Brixton the last time they came through. So I reckon, okay. you know, if they took the hit, which I think they'd have to at the moment, and let Trivium headline above them. I'm uh, sorry. In terms to, of potential, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to correct you, Steve. But the last time Bullet for My Valentine were in London, they played Alexandra Palace. Oh, on fuck. November the tenth, twenty eighteen. That couldn't have sold out. I don't. I, I don't have that information. But they did play Ali Pali. So I know they played Ali Pali and they played Wembley before, but they've certainly taken a bit of a dip um, since well, those days. I mean, that I think was it, the last date they played in London. So so have they? So if they did take a dip, they've gone back up again. Whether probably doing the poison in full around that time. Would have no, thought. that was the Gravity Tour. Uh, oh God, how depressing! I think the poison in full was at Brixton, wasn't it? Yeah, three Hold nights on. at Brixton. Because uh, they no. kill switching gate supporting them. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. No, they didn't do the poison in full. It was um, mainly songs from Gravity, Gravity, Venom, The Poison, Fever, Screaming. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Well, mm, okay. We'll uh, we'll see, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I hope so. That would be really good. They were very good, and they looked very comfortable on stage on a sort of arena stage. I thought. What was the actual show like? You said there was like show elements. Were there? Yeah, it was sort of a, it was kind of based on the new record, on the sort of artwork from the new record. Um, if you've seen the Catastrophist video, there was, um, a, a, it, I mean, it was a million miles away from what Gajira were doing. If, if it's sort of a bigger version of like what Gajira were doing on, do you remember Le Fond Sauvage mm. when they had the tree and they brought lots of tree based things out there? Um, it was a lot of kind of woodland stuff with i mean the, the front cover of the album is a beating heart mm-hmm. and as the as the show went on the kind of heart beat from under the drum riser got mm. bigger and bigger and it was it went from kind of greens and sort of pastel colors to this sort of foreboding dark red blood red sky thing it was really cool it was like the kind of seasons check like without wanting to sound too wanky it was like a kind of season change throughout the set and it looked really cool it didn't look like there was no pyro there were no fireworks there were none of that kind of usual metalcore stuff it was much more like the kind of um gojira approach you know well gojira have well actually recently gojira have gone for the full sort of explosions and lasers and all that kind of stuff but when gojira do like flying wells and they just make it look like a sort of scenery based thing yeah um, it's, it's the way you use those things isn't yeah. it i mean certainly I, py- pyro for a filmed thing does seem like a bit of a waste of time um yeah. and that sounds like the correct approach to take with it i think um but uh yeah it's i, I mean gajira when we saw them at brixton they did have a bit of pyro and stuff like that but they Quite used it they used it in a really really cool way so um i'm certainly not against those sorts of things it's just when people use them lazily <coughs> architects uh that it gets a bit boring <laughs> yeah there were not you know i did think to myself are they going to do a kind of big pyro pop or something at the end and they didn't actually and i, I thought it was probably made it look like classier a kind of journey 
Mm. Um, the the set felt more like a journey, and the sort of seasons changed with the mood of the. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. It was really mm. good. And I think if they were to bring that set and that kind of set over, I wouldn't be surprised if whether to do that live in front of people there or the, was the odd firebomb going on. I mean, they've not mm. been shy about using a firebomb or a bit of pyro before Trivium, so I wouldn't be surprised if they do that. And metal bands love that shit, don't they? I certainly do. They fucking love pyro. Well, they all do. They all. Do. I mean, I saw the Cavella, a bit of the Cavellatac one, and they were smashing the pyro like it ain't no ting. I mean, are you gonna are you gonna say that if Nick Cave doesn't have Pyro coming out of his grand piano, then it's a waste of time and no one should watch it? No, no, yeah. no. I don't think. I think obviously Nick Cave is not <laughs> the sort of artist that I would expect to use Pyro at all. Pyro is quite a metal, stroke hip hop, stroke dance music type thing. Um, yeah, but you know, I don't think Nick Cave needs to use. Uh, pyro let's do some reviews then renfrey these are all your picks first album we're going to review is actually not really a catch-up it's out this week sleeps makes sleep makes waves these aren't your dreams it is a combination of a trilogy of eps from the australian post-rock band um that is out now if you're listening to this um i don't really know anything about this band renfrey to be honest and i'm presuming that you do Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I um, streamed their last album, uh, Made of Breath Only, on The Independent in 2017. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yes, I suppose post-rock is um, uh, accurate, although it's very much the more... Generally, it's the far more energetic sort of side of post-rock. It's a lot more, um, I guess, sort of, and so I watch you from afar and that kind of thing. Um, and um, yeah, I was a bit disheartened i have to say when i heard that they were doing three eps in a row just because i like albums really um mm. but now they've and you know we've always we've did we did failure didn't we and we did Haley williams and and um i think failure was the most successful um yeah. of those by yeah. quite some distance pixies did it as well but there's always kind of a sense that there isn't um a proper amount of cohesion when you put those songs together um and i was a little bit worried that that would be the case with this and it is um but uh for me the quality of it is just um very 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 high throughout despite it being you know it's a long old ting this record because because it's the three eps put together in total it's 69 minutes and five seconds so it's so long it's so long Oh, you didn't respond well to this one, did you? I mean, well, I didn't know anything about this. I mean, I, I thought because it's three EPs combined, I thought, well, there's going to be some sort of concept behind this. So I should probably find out what it is. Uh, and I did. It says, um, these are not your dreams refers to how modern life is rubbish and the Internet is invading our brains. It's controlled through disorientation and the manipulation of your dreams. And as soon as I thought that, I went, oh, God, Really? Oh, not another one. How many of these fucking bands have we had banging on about the dangers of social media and living in an alternative reality and all that stuff about how, you know, we're being controlled by this. And I was just like, it's just so many bands have written this fucking thing about oh, the internet's a really dangerous place. And as soon as I read that, my heart sank a little but that, bit. That just sounds like, um, what did I call it before? Um like banned bio poppycock or something like that. That just sounds like someone being told you need to write a story for this band. Come up with something like, yeah, but that's, that's <clears> them <throat> saying that. Themse- I mean, that's them saying this is what the inspiration behind the, the sort of thing was. And I was a bit like, Oh no, 
really because mm. mm. it's very rare that that is an interesting thing to like it's, talk about it's just a weird thing because they're not as po-faced as that they are kind of like um they're a far more kind of joyful happy band than that which is why to me it kind of make that feels very forced on for them i mean whether whether it is or not i don't know i'm speculating but um that is not the vibe you get when you go and see them live or anything like that it's really people you hear post-rock and you think of people staring at their shoes and like um using lots and lots of delay effects and just staring at their guitars and that is not sleep makes wave at all they're all over the stage they're jumping around they're going crazy they're aussies you know it's that kind of vibe and spirit it's like a parkway drive show for example right okay yeah um is it yeah <laughs> well been, last last time i saw park, last time i saw parkway drive um uh which was about 10 years ago but you know parkway drive sands the um the effects that they have now in terms mm. of that kind of parkway drive have an infectious uh, so I remember when I saw Parkway Drive, it was the Sonosphere show where um, the guitarist uh, had, broke uh, had broke his leg. And um, I I remember watching that show and I stayed for the whole thing. And musically, I was kind of like, it's OK. It's not really the sort of thing that I like. But I stayed for the whole show because they were so infectiously fun. Just yeah, Parkway okay. as those as those individual people. And Winston, you know, is a brilliant frontman. Whether Whatever mm. my feelings are towards the band, I... I undeniably was like, well, I'm not a massive fan of the music, but I've got to admit that as a live show, they put on something really, really cool and they had a really fun, infectious energy. Sleep make ways they do as well. That's what I'm saying. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, there's a little bit of vocal, like quite low in the mix in some of this. So it's not purely instrumental, but this is mainly instrumental, really, isn't it? Are they, they're a sort of mainly instrumental band? Um, they haven't really experimented with vocals until now. I mean, there are... Um, there's a few songs with vocals on them, actually. I think there's at mm. least one, one song from each EP. So there's at least three, might even be four songs. I mean, Zelda is one of those songs, which um, has, I think, very effective vocals coming through. I don't know if they're low in the mix. I think they're quite prominent, actually. That song almost sounds like something from a long lost song from the British post hardcore boon of the early 2000s. You know, it comes in very much like hundred reasons and hell is for heroes and Vex red. I think I'm kind of taking a little bit of umbra like describing them as post rock is not incorrect. The problem is, is I'm aware that that has a stigma with it, that, that kind of description and sleep makes waves are so the polar opposite of a lot of what that stigma is. And this album in particular, or, three eps or whatever we're going to call it it's i mean it is incredibly varied it's incredibly varied it's arguably in terms of like an album as a whole you could even argue that it's kind of a little bit too all over the place i mean maybe that's a unfair thing to say because of course it's not an album it's three eps but it's it's it goes to a lot of different places um it's very 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 varied and i think when you say post-rock a lot of people just kind of think that it's this one ponderous slow thing that t takes fucking ages to go anywhere and i don't think sleep makes waves have any of that at all i think they've got a fair old bit of it i think the first half of this is um a bit of a dirge to be honest i think the second half of it is better I mean, the electro pulse thing that they have towards the end, that kind of mixing acoustic, um, sort of spidery acoustic riff parts with 
um, electronic bits. Um, like you said, post-hardcore, um, there's, there's a bit of, there's a song called Embrace, which is really good. Um, and then that's a, quite a post-hardcore sounding song. And then it's followed up by Mind Palace, which is all kind of electric. And as an album, I think that's where you get furthest away from itself uh, in the smallest amount of time. Um, there's I have to say, Lo- I'm, I'm just going to jump in there because, I mean, the first two songs, for example... The first song is 11 minutes, 27 seconds, right? And you would think, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, that's going to be a slow, ponderous post-rock song. And it isn't at all. It's got blast beats in it, for fuck's sake. It's got blast beats in it. It's really, really fast and really, really energetic. There is an absolutely raging guitar solo that begins around the eight-minute mark, which is, like, that is not... You don't often hear guitar solos in post-rock and things like that. I And the second song is, you know, like another five minutes or something like that. And that is like an absolute rager. You don't get anything vaguely ponderous or sort of post-rocky until the third track, Time Wants a Skeleton, which I think is, you know, and that, that's 16 and a half minutes into the record. So to say that the first half is quite ponderous and quite post-rocky, I just don't see that at all. Uh, well, I mean, Pyramids has got a really good riff, but it takes six minutes before you get to that riff. And you just said it takes eight minutes before you get to this big guitar solo. I think there are things in it. Oh, that but are... there's loads going on in that eight minutes. There's loads of different passages that it goes through. Like if you, if you're if all you want to get to is the riff, then yeah, you're not going to get all that much out of this music. But then that's missing. Like it's all about the, you know, if it's all about the destination, then. I mean, I just uh, there's there's nothing that they're doing on here. I mean, like I say, the kind of the electro pulse thing to me is um, probably the most interesting. Like those parts are the more interesting parts in it for me because you've mentioned yeah, Hell is for Heroes and bands like that. And I think yeah, if, if you know this isn't um, mono or one of those very or this isn't a kind of a, a slow dirgy record it's not mono or godspeed black emperor or anything like that no 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 not really but then at the same time i don't think there's anything that hasn't been done by a lot of bands a lot of times before in the first half i was just like this is just sort of quite newsily instrumental music for a lot of it there Um, aren't there aren't many people who um add a blast beat to a, a major a major riff as in a a major as in major minor you know there aren't many people who can make a blast beat sound happy the only example i could think of was asteroid i mean there will be other examples out there but i I actually think there's i don't i I would never sit down here and say that this is a revolutionary record or i would never sit suggest that this has not been done before um but Mm. there are bits and pieces that have haven't been done very often i think it will depend on your um your kind of uh, the amount that you can listen to or or you want to listen to stuff like this. It depends on your kind of uh, the stomach you have for listening to this type of music. Mm. Personally, I think if you just want a couple of albums that sound like this um, or, you know, you like Mogwai and you like uh, and so I watch it from afar, but you don't really pay that much more attention to it than that. I don't really think this has got anything particularly that's going to grab you and turn you into a fan of this music in I just, general. I think that's a weird thing to say. I mean, just comparing Mogwai and So You Watch From Afar, to me, those bands are completely different. Hence why I picked them. Right, okay. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm I, saying you're going to want, if there are a, a kind of 
you know, there's three or four variants on this type of thing. And mm. if you go... There's a few dozen variants on this type of thing, I would say. Not to most people there aren't, though, mate. That's the problem, isn't it? Is that to most people, there aren't. There are kind of... There's, you know, there's the fast ones, the super heavy ones, the very, very long, slow, morbid ones, and the super experimental stroke electronic ones. That's what 99% of people on the planet would think about post-rock. Even, and, you know, some of them might not even think that. And all I'm saying is, is that unless you are super duper invested in that type of music, I'm not sure that this does, like for me, it doesn't do enough to make me go. It's not like Yezu where last week and I was like, oh, I'm quite surprised by this. I didn't really think they were going to sound like that. And wow, what a weird mix of stuff. This has sort of made me want to go and investigate more. This hasn't really made me want to investigate Sleep Make Waves at all. I kind of feel like I've got, I've got stuff that sounds close enough to this that I've that I've already kind of listened to and like where I just think I I probably wouldn't come back to this and I probably wouldn't have that much interest in um digging out any more of their back catalog really mm-hmm. to okay. me they just seem like another one of those bands for the most fair part. enough I mean I this is you know this is a topic that irks me you know a lot just because when people say post-rock, 99% of the time what they mean is instrumental music and instrumental music can take on literally dozens of different types of forms. So I understand what you're saying. I do think there's a perception that there's only sort of two or three different things, um, two or three different styles of it. What I am saying is, you know, sorry to be snobby about it, but those people are wrong, um, like and objectively wrong. Um, and uh, I'm just sort of trying to not keep... Um, peddling that line uh and i think i if 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 this hasn't um if this hasn't moved you to check out anything further then that's fair enough that's you know how you've reacted to the record but there is um i just don't want to give the impression that there isn't an awful lot going on on this album because actually it's extraordinarily varied i mean there's the there's cascades which has these vocals that gently drift in in a, a kind of shoegazy manner and it's really, I think when the vocals are used on this album, they're actually really, really powerful because they're used sparingly. It's like bands who use distortion sparingly. It's like, oh my God, suddenly that's come in and it, it really changes the sort of style and the, the the sound of the record. Serenity Now sounds like it could soundtrack a John Hughes film, you know? Whereas, um, you know, as I said before, the the endings that we write has fucking blast beats in it and has this absolutely raging ripping guitar solo it you know this this because because of the way that this record has been put together and because it's three eps and yada 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 69 minutes it is too long listening to in one in one uh sitting but then of course because it's been released as three different eps there's an argument to say well it's not kind of meant to be listened to like that um it's a weird thing this whole three eps thing i i don't think it I think it works less often than than it works. I didn't say that very well. It, it, mo- most of the time, it doesn't work. The 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 only yeah. one that I can say that I'm like 100% behind is the failure one. I mm. think they did that really really well. Um, but what I will say about this is like, if 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 it, if they did just release it in a traditional way, um, I would definitely take tracks off it. But I would struggle to to it would be a difficult process whittling it down to nine tracks eight tracks you know 
whatever it would be. Because I think the quality is surprisingly high. And like I said, I was really like, when I heard it was three EPs rather than an album, I was like, Ugh. and I, to be honest, I, I did think, I love this band, but I did think, I don't know if I really want to review it, if that's the road you're going down. And then I listened to it and I was like, well, the quality is really, really high throughout. So um, yeah, I think this is a really, I think this is a very, very diverse very very interesting collection of broadly instrumental music which yes does take in electronic elements and different beats and so on and so forth as it goes on it definitely feels like it has three distinct acts i think i think there are three distinct things that they are doing here mm. um and yeah i mean it is too long but then that's that's just the nature of the way that they've decided to release this the hayley williams album that we both fucking loved is also yeah. too long it's too long, um yeah. Is the failure one too long? I think the failure one might even be... A, even the failure one might be a smidgen too long. You know. I, yeah, pro- a it smidge, probably is a bit. A smidge. Um, there's the title track, right? And that's got something that I was like, oh, that's coming back, is it? 90s dance. Mm. 90s dance music is fucking everywhere at the moment. Everybody mm. is hitting up Future Sound of London. They should have been called the Future Sound of Post Rock, that fucking <laughs> band. Um, I mean, I've got to say, like, I really like the title track because it was something that felt genuinely different to me. And I think that showed up exactly what I mean for the, the other album where I was like, yeah, you know, this is more of those bands who do bits of kind of, like, that kind of crazy... Um, like I think you could call it like smarty popping instrumental music where it's major key sort of happy happy and it's a bright nice sounding record for the most part um, and I think they use uh, I think they they use acoustic music uh, acoustic sounds with electronic sounds very well yeah and they, yeah. but particularly on the second half of the record on the first half of the record I just didn't find anything that was really I don't know you know I mean yeah it does do lots of different things um but it doesn't really do anything uh on its own that i you can pop you can you can pick parts out and go well they're quite different from that but i have kind of i do feel like i was like i sort of feel like i've heard other bands do this sort of thing in i think it's the condensing it in a it's in a in a more kind of co not even cohesive but condensed way it's a long time. Like a lot of it felt like a long time before I got interested in it. You know, like I said, six minutes um, before you get to the riff in pyramids. And I was just sort of like, yeah, what? There's sort of nothing happening. And then, or nothing that I felt excited about. Yeah. Happening. I was going to, I was going to say, but, but that's, it's not, there's nothing happening though. It's just, it's, I mean, there's loads happening in pyramids before the riff kicks in, but yeah, if, if all you're about yeah. is the riff, then you're kind of, well, not even all not about seeing, like just seeing the forest <laughs> of the trees, really. Nothing of any interest is happening for six minutes is what I would say. Mm. I mean, I don't agree with that, but, um, but I think, I don't know. I mean, this is not a top tier. They're not a top tier instrumental rock band. I wouldn't put them in with the Mogwais and the Cigarosas no. or anything like that. Um, I, Oh, I don't know. Would I even put them a second tier? I don't know, but they they certainly show a lot of pro. I I do I do totally understand that the the, the things that they do on this record have probably been done better um, by other various bands, but they're still very very good. The way that the I mean I do think that opening 
um I, like when when i when i loaded it up and i saw that the first song was 11 and a half minutes i did go oh no for fuck's sake i thought mm. it, it sounds like five minutes to me it's so joyous and it's so like energetic and i don't think that's what a lot of people associate you know post-rock if we're going to even call it post-rock music as um so it's it's a little disappointing to me that like you know this this is genuinely different from what people think post rock is i think um and it's just nice to bring in an example of something where you go well no it isn't all that ponderous stuff that that people seem to think it is no, but then I think, you know, we described Aiming for Enrique and Maserati as post-rock or, you know, instrumental post-rocking. And, and, well, I'm, know, not sure, I'm not sure if they're post-rock either. No, no, no. But I mean, they've, I think there was, there was stuff where, I mean, Sleep Make Ways have definitely described themselves as post-rock. Yeah, I know they have. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, when, when you are willing to be part of that, mm. and I kind of think that's good. I mean, you know, uh, if, you, if you're a hardcore band, like people might think you're going to sound like hate breed and people might think you're going to sound like bad brains or people might think you're going to sound like minor threat but you know but there's, all there's, of those things are right aren't they the irony there is there's more of a formula to hardcore than there is to post rock that's the irony of the whole thing and i'm not that's not a slight on hardcore i fucking love hardcore but there is more of a formula to hardcore than there is because because there is no formula to post rock because it's just instrumental music for the most part so that's so hence why this would this would belong within post rock. I don't think you should no, I, I, shun it because it doesn't. I'm, if you're I'm saying that there's no form and no formula to it, then you shouldn't I'm, shun it for not that, sounding like the thing that people think that, it sounds like. That is I mean? that isn't what I'm saying. I'm 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 saying there is a perception that all post rock music sounds the same, and and the 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 irony is is the truth is the total opposite of that, and this is a case in point. If if if. I think there's a lot of people who think that all post rock is mono, Godspeed you Black Emperor, all that kind of stuff. And this, I, there's barely in in my eyes, there's barely anything on this record which is vaguely like that stuff. No, I think the kind of the 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 post the the sort of post hardcore that you were mentioning before, those kind of um, what did you say? Hell is for Heroes and Hundred Reasons and reasons. stuff like yeah, yeah, right. like Ru- Ruben and stuff like that as well. I think there's. There's bits that are like that. Or Sp- I mean, Sparta was one of the bands that I wrote down at one mm. point who are mm. not a band that you would consider a post-rock band, mm. but uh, you certainly would consider a post-hardcore band. Also, it fades out as well. Fade The whole album fades out. Mm. Fucking bottle jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't I agree like with that. that. Yeah, I agree with that. Don't fade out your album. <laughs> Fucking bottlers. Um, end the record. Do you know what I mean? I hate albums that fade out. It's a end weird... End the fucking record. It is kind of like... It's gone on for 69 minutes as it is. Just fucking end it now. Mm. <laughs> um, what are you doing? I think this is like, I mean, overall, like, I think this is decent. As I say, it's too long, it, but there's some really cool ideas on it. And like, if if all you're interested in is the absolute best of the best of the best of instrumental music, then you can probably make a pass on this. But if you like this, sort, like, you know, I, I do I do really like this. I, th- I think it's really, really good. I probably would have preferred it if they'd taken a couple of songs off and gone down the actual album route and this had been like the fourth record proper, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think it would have been far stronger overall. But the quality is surprisingly high for an album that is hitting the 70-minute mark throughout, I think. 
I've actually written down that ironically this will make a really good EP because um, <laughs> it is an EP. Anyway, these are not your dreams. By Sleep Makes Waves is out nigh. Um, Martin Gretsch, Hush Mortal Coil is where we're going to go next. The fourth album from the enigmatic British solo artist who was a bit of a cult figure back in the early noughties when his debut album Open Heart Zoo came out. I remember a lot of my friends um and particularly at rock sound they fucking loved him at rock this is not the rock sound that you know and mm. uh, tolerate in 2020 <laughs> this is the very cool rock sound uh of the early noughties and then rock sound fucking loved martin gretsch um well you know I what never... that's that's a really good point actually because rock sound used to be wonderful at doing kind of what we're trying to do which is putting um bands uh uh which is giving giving bands and artists attention who are difficult to categorize a lot of the time you know yeah. a lot of the time and i think martin gretsch he's a tricky one isn't he he's, he's uh uh there's a lot there's a lot of stuff that has happened around this album it's taken an awfully long time for it to come out mm. uh i don't know how much you know about all this stuff i can fill you in if you don't know I know nothing about that particular thing. No. Let me just fill you in on that super, super quickly before before we go into it proper then. Um, so he announced that this album was going to come out initially through his patron page and then it was going to be uh, streaming on services like Spotify later. And he said in an announcement on his Facebook page, I think this was back in March, I believe, uh, tomorrow I will release Hush Mortal Coil to you all. In this strange time, it has become obvious that art, although not the cure for our current problems, plays some role by bringing us joy, distraction, and at best an opportunity to self-reflect. I had hoped for a record label supported release as this could have provided the resources to enable me to pay back all the generosity of the people who worked to bring this record to life. Without their time, effort and donated skills, this record could not have been made. However, recent events have devastated any real chance of this album seeing a label release for the next year. We all agree another year is too long. Um, this album, Steve, was recorded between February and May 2015. It's mad, that, isn't it? He's been sat on it for a long fucking time. Um, mm. A quick Google search revealed the following from Daniel P. Carter's Kerrang! column. Hear this now from April 7th, 2018. So Daniel P. Carter said of this record, Martin Grech's upcoming album, Hush Mortal Coil, is quite frankly one of the best heavy prog-tinged albums from the UK in years. It was in the making for a while and has now been finished for a year or so. It was actually about three years when he wrote this. I first placed the single Moth Flower when it was completed a couple of years ago, but the album still hasn't found a home. Labels, managers, agents, listen to me. This album is truly beautiful, fragile and crushing in equal measure. If we were being lazy, I could say if you mixed a perfect circle with Sigur Rós and Jeff Buckley, then topped it off with some gent riffing, you'd be getting kind of near to it. The level of songwriting, production and scope is next level. I literally cannot understand how it hasn't been released yet. The album features members of Tesseract with whom he's collaborated with in the past. Labels, come at me and I'll put you in touch. Seriously. And then the record didn't come out for another two years. Um, why do you think labels haven't picked this up, Steve? I have absolutely no idea. It's fucking great. I have no isn't idea. It? Yeah. I've no idea. And like I said, Martin Gretsch is a kind of um and I've written down 
and I I don't think this is a ludicrous thing to write down that this is a UK Devon Townsend that we have here. That's a good right. shout. Yeah. Um, his voice is very different from Devon, and yeah. I think you know it won't be for everyone. Admittedly, his voice it is quite a it's a high register, yeah. and um, particularly in kind of tech. Well, not so much in tech. They like their good singers in tech metal, actually. So I think I'm going to retract that statement. Mm-hmm. But I think for certain people who uh, listen to certain types of music, you might. The put away that there are some people who don't like Deftones because of Chino Moreno's voice. And if you are one of those people, then one, this might be quite tough for you. And two, just fucking get out of here. Stop <laughs> listening to us. Um, I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean. Th- th- when we talk about gent or prog metal or tech metal or all those kind of things, it rarely has the level of drama and sophistication and um, the the breadth and the just fucking vision of this record. We've moaned quite a lot, haven't we, about that scene, the uh, tech metal scene, and basically all those bands more or less sounding the same. And mm. uh, this, well, look, you could call it a tech gent record, but I think that would be selling it extraordinarily short. Um, I don't, how long is it? It's just under an hour long, this record. Mm. And I don't, you know, I haven't, I haven't gone through it and sort of timed it, but there's probably only sort of 15 minutes of genty sort of stuff in it. Um, there's also, yeah, well, I, I mean, Daniel P did uh did mix it um describe it very very well mix of perfect circle cigarose and jeff buckley but mm. then those genty things come in as well um it's uh it's c- kind of a um more sophisticated version of what sleep token do you could argue um way, way more <laughs> well, yeah way more sophisticated i mean you know and i'm saying that as someone who who actually likes sleep token obviously you don't but but you know this this is I think the way that some people talk about Sleep Token is how I feel about this. You know, this is really, really, really powerful and really, really good um, in lots and lots of ways. Um, I think the reason he hasn't had label support is because he's just impossible to pigeonhole. It could be. I mean, he's <laughs> he's he's an enigmatic man and he's got some fucking crazy ideas. And I sort of would have hoped that with the the way the music industry is at the moment, that you would probably have thought that they would go, great, an enigmatic guy with a cult following, who's already got a cult following, who's got loads of crazy ideas and has written a really interesting, you know, insane, thick records full of just mad reference points. Um, You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Totally, yeah, and totally, like unfathomable amounts of depth and layers to it that yeah i mean you know god i've like i say i've not had a chance to listen to everything much this week but i have sort of like i have prioritized this record over all the others because it was immediate and obvious to me straight away that it would be the one that would need the most listens obviously Mm. and i still don't feel like i have any kind of handle or idea on really what's going on on it Mm, to be perfectly mm, honest mm. all i know is is that it just is it's full of surprises kind of i'm i'm only four, i'm four listens into it 
mm. right? Mm. And I mean, what was the the last track on here? Has the got death this of kind all of, logic. It's unbelievable. It's mm. got like talk talk meets black metal meets jazz. Goes into that amazing free jazz bit, which recalls um, Funhouse by the Stooges, doesn't it? Um, mm. Which is just uh, yeah. I mean. Uh, there are certain bands who have a shitload of ideas, chuck them all at the wall and see what sticks. You know, Bring Me the Horizon, for example. Uh, and quite often, some of those ideas stick, but some of them really, really, really don't. Um, I feel like Martin Gretsch is chucking as many ideas at the wall and they all stick, <laughs> more or less. I have some like really minor quibbles with it. There's a sort of... Um, uh, narration part at the end of the first song maelstrom spark which makes me sort of shudder a little bit but at least it's mm. well recorded um you know compared to how some other bands have done it i think in 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 the main this is a really fascinating um and kind of surprising record as well that goes into so many different places but does them all extraordinarily well the artwork is phenomenal I mean, I would have that on my wall. Um, it's absolutely kind of like this amazing Renaissance kind of style painting. Um, it looks like Hosanna's from the Basements of Hell by Killing Joke. Yeah, great cover. shout. Great shout. Mm. I think the one thing I, I... I don't think what you said, read the cult artist, is incorrect at all. One thing I will say is um, looking on Spotify... I mean, I really, really wanted to bring this in because in terms of the quality of this record, it's sky high. I think Devon Townsend's a fantastic shout. Really, really good shout. I hadn't, mm. That hadn't occurred to me, but that's a really, really good shout. His monthly listens on Spotify are 1,917. That's not 1,917 people. That's 1,917 listens to his songs. His Facebook page only... I know no one does Facebook anymore and we're old cunts for even suggesting it, but his Facebook page has only 2,000 likes on it. I think he is a cult artist within some... But basically, <clears throat> I feel like... It feels like he's had a shitload of bad luck whilst being sat on this record for almost five years. And if we have a job or, or, or if we have a... a um, uh, the, the most important part of our job, I feel like, is kind of trying to lift these artists and go, look, this is actually well worth checking out. And I'd really, I'd I'd love it if, like, you all checked out Martin Gretsch and, like, it won't be for everyone, but there's going to be a lot of people who listen to this and go, holy shit. We kind mm. of did this with Kala last year to an extent. Her name is Kala, you know, who had similar, like... I think they had more numbers than Martin Gretsch, but they had similar S numbers and then it all kind of went supernova and crazy. I feel like um, this album isn't miles away from what Color were doing, is it? No. I mean, I I was just thinking to myself, like, do I feel comfortable and confident enough to compare this after this many listens to an album, which is mm, one of mm. my 20 favourite records mm. of the decade? Mm. Um and I think this because I think because vocally I get I I can emotionally connect more with the Cala record than I have so far with this. Mm -hmm. I would say I would still take the 
you know, well, still take the, I would comfortably take the color record over this. Um, uh, just, just to, I will, I will say, I'm not saying Hush Mortal Coil is as good as Animal Choir, but certainly mm. in terms of its ambition, its breadth, yeah. and the fact that there are so many amazing ideas in it, which um, he manages to actually pull off, I think they are comparable. And I don't think they're miles away from one another. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I think the one thing that does make me go, hmm, yeah, it's not, a, it's, it's a pretty good comparison, is the fact that it is just a engaging, like hugely engaging record, even when you don't really understand what's going on. And there yeah. are points on this yeah. where I was like, I don't really know where he's going to go with this. He's got a choir and some trumpets in the background, and there's hardly, you know, do you know what I mean? There's like, you go, what, what's happening here? I don't mm. really know what's mm. happening so often in the record. And then it just sort of builds to this fucking amazing crescendo. And he seems to be getting most things right, I would say on this record yes i i still don't feel like i have a great handle on the record Mm, mm. at all i mean i do think the death of all logic the last song is fucking amazing Mm. i think the title the title tracks is one of the is the the shortest one on the record and that is you know a great a fucking a great song and um you know there's a riff on orus awol which is Mm -hmm. the second song which is just un fucking believable and if you're like oh this sounds like a wanky load of old toss or whatever and i i i am one of those people who just want riffs well there's a riff on that song which is face meltingly brilliant um that's worth pointing out whenever he does go riff heavy he can go toe to toe with any of those tech metal bands yeah well it's it's Jay and uh, Ackle from Tesseract actually on it. I don't know if they had, uh, don't know if anything had any Ackle had anything to do with writing the riffs. But okay. you know, there's moments like Tesseract. Are, I, you know, I really like Tesseract a mm-hmm. hell of a lot, yep. and I think they're one of those bands who've got better and better and better. Like Sonda, the, the last record is, you know, really fucking great. But yep. it's much more easily digestible, um, and this isn't. Do you know what I mean? This is not an easily digestible record. This is a record that will require a hell of a lot of patience, I think. Not the only one this week. Uh, Not the only one of these records that will require a lot of patience and a lot of time and a lot of listening to and a lot of you actually sitting there and allowing it to do its thing while you do nothing else. Is that a surprise considering the picks come primarily from me? No. Um, Mm. Or are you talking about Theory of a Dead Man? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it's plenty to think about and most of it is like how can i turn this off as quickly as possible um oh, spoiler alert uh, <laughs> i'm i'm really really pleased you like this i i think it's a um a really you know i don't make comparisons to the likes of animal choir uh gently you know like mm. that was my favorite gently album last, gently well you know what i mean um yeah. uh, gently just, <laughs> i didn't even That's realize I, I did it hey yeah. um i will say uh i mean we have mentioned jet and te- gent and tech metal and so on and so forth <laughs> jet <laughs> from gladiators <laughs> oh, oh jet. it sounds more like jet from gladiators than jet the band i think <laughs> Um, if you pop onto fans also like on Spotify, here's the list of artists. Myvin, 
Not a yoggin, no, not a yoggin, unfortunately. My vitriol, Ocean Size, the Cooper Temple Claws, Reuben, Vex Red, your code name is Milo, Venart, Hope of the States, Aerogram, Jamie Lenman, Pure Reason Revolution, her name is Kala, Hell is for Heroes, White Moth Black Butterfly, Idlewild, A.A. Williams, Vassa, Black Peaks, Sugar Horse, Oms. Well, I mean, a lot of them they said at the start, that you said at the start, Martin Gretsch, again, that kind of rock scene sound yeah. of you know 2000 to 2003 where martin greck and vast and you know my vitriol and the cooper temple clause were massively pushed i mean obviously he was 15 when he wrote um the the, that first record yeah that's insane open heart zoo Mm. and it got a song on a lexus advert so you know i think he he was properly tipped to be a superstar Mm. and when you look at all of those bands i think i guess musically they have very little in common the kind of one thing they all have in common is that they're all really good and they never got anywhere near being as good as they should have done. Should really. have done. From exactly. Idlewild yeah. to Cooper Temple Claws to, you know, to Jamie Lenman. It's been, it's a real shame that all of those, that when you think of that era, mm. the bands that ended up being massive from that part of that part in time. Lost Profits is pretty much the only ones that managed to stick it out. <laughs> oh, tragic. And look what they ended up doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Travesty um, headlining download. But I do th- I do think in the main, something that both of us really get off on and really, really want to do with this show is is to give those kind of artists a platform, you know? Um, I mean, My Vitriol, Ocean Size, Cooper Temple Claws, just taking the first three there, are three of the most underrated bands this country's ever produced, in my opinion, you know? Mm. Um, and I think Martin Gretsch, is is exactly the same um like it's very 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 underrated and and you know the other thing is this is his fourth record but due to various bits and pieces that have happened to him and i mentioned at the start that he's been sat on this record for five years it's 13 years since his last album and when it comes to the music industry they don't tend to touch that sort of thing because they go oh well there's no story here um the momentum's gone bloody bloody blah all this fucking bullshit and at the end of the day i like to think that you and i approach it from a is the record good if it's not fuck it if it's great listen to it and martin gretsch is not going to get the coverage he deserves because of the way the, the industry works and it's it's artists like that that i particularly want to to uh talk about so that's yeah. why i was pretty keen to bring this in yeah there you go so martin gretsch uh, hush mortal coil is out now it's been out a little while if you haven't heard it but that seems like the sort of thing that you would be interested in um you know if you're a fan of devon townsend mm. i you've just found something that is massively going to tide you over mm. whilst you wait for devon to come up with whatever the next thing he comes up with and it will stop you moaning about Devin, when you're releasing the next thing, you've got something now to listen to, which I guarantee you will love. Ditto, I have to say straight away, for Wilder Run, Veil of Imagination. So this is actually being re-released today, if you're listening to this podcast the day that it comes out. Yes, Uh, um, I'm going to confess immediately, I've done a bit of a cheat here. So this album originally came out in 2019. And usually when we do catch-ups, we, you know, we have to, stop some we have to you know put um 
we have to stop somewhere basically and mm. we tend to just do catch-ups for the year but because it's being re-released the day this comes out um and also well basically i listened to it and i went oh holy shit this album's incredible so i'm going to cheat it and i'm going to put it in there but i should probably say that before we fully get in on it yeah, but I think it's fine because it's basically sort of self-released, which isn't, I'm not saying if you self-release an album, you're not really releasing an album, but when you get an official label release, and this is coming out on Century Media, then that is a proper release, and this is now officially, properly, definitely coming out, and it's coming out in 2020. So you fine. made the comparison to um, Zealanada's Devil is Fine, mm-hmm. which had a very, yeah. let's, I mean, it would, it would be called a soft release, a soft self-release in the industry, twas. Yeah. Um, and, and now it's getting a hard release. Mm. Oh, hard, hard release. There's a song for, there's a song, there's a title for the... <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is the third album from the Boston prog metal band. And hey, you, are you one of those people that are moaning at Opeth? You, you still on about Blackwater Park? Is that you, is it? Do you want long, involved, challenging, progressive death metal? And you think, I used to like that when Opeth were in Ghost Reveries and they don't do it anymore. Are you the person going shouting hilariously shouting at opeth songs shows play a heavy song is that you is it well you can shut up now because here's a bloody band for you um <laughs> wilder run you know about 10 minutes into this 14 minute long opening track mm, which is mm, fucking brilliant mm. i finally just blurted out ghost reveries because <laughs> as sure as i am still in the fetal that, position <laughs> yeah as sure as i am sucking his thumb <laughs> as sure as i am that there are plenty of other bands that we can mention that we can talk about from enslaved to morbid yeah. angel to megadeth to cradle of filth to gajira uh, you know to power metal um to tourist us yeah a little yeah. bit i mean that mm. paints it in a bad light but yeah yeah it's opeth isn't it this sounds like opeth it's very difficult to I think it would be enormously difficult to do a review of this record without mentioning Opeth. Um I mean even the vocalist whose name escapes me but um he even sounds like Akafelt on a lot of it like very Massively very much like Akafelt. But you know what um and we spoke about this on the phone briefly earlier today at the end of the day even Opeth aren't doing that style of Opeth anymore and oh. also um there's many 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 bands who have tried to recreate that blackwater park um ghost reveries still life i would say as well era of opeth but no one's ever really quite got there have they and this is as close as close can be but it has even more to it than that as well doesn't it so uh, yes. much 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 more than just the opeth thing even though that is a blindingly obvious thing to say power metal that's what it's got as well well no (laughs) it has i well yes i do you know what i i think the big thing with this record is the orchestration Mm. that's that's the thing that really tips this record over into oh my shitting god this is something that we really need to talk about that that's why i mentioned uh cradle of filth just a minute ago because there are bits in it where i was like there are these like filthy and um if that's filthy (laughs) filthy and um orchestral parts in it that, that that sound kind of super dramatic and a bit evil at the same time uh, i i think it's worth noting that 
two of the members, uh, this is a five piece, but two of the members are credited with orchestrations. Uh, one mm. of them's the bass player as well, but one of them is just is just orchestration that that is all his entire role in the band and you could um you know you could <laughs> you could cynically kind of look at this and go well is this a sean crahan kind of situation where he does percussion and just sort of bangs a baseball bat on a um on a keg keg for every so often sean crahan's not the best example but you know one of the one of the percussionists in slipknot you know um but it absolutely isn't i mean uh, this isn't a metal band who play with an orchestra. The orchestra feel very much a part of the band, in my opinion. And the mm. actual, the the things that they are doing, I mean, it's absolutely stunning. I don't know how this would work live, um, seeing this band. In the, Surely in, it's just got tracks. It's got to be tracked. Surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as a as a record when you're listening to it it just sounds so massive it sounds nightwish ma- massive and i know neither of us i know neither of us are nightwish fans but but in terms of production like the production of the nightwish record i think if either of us went oh it's got shit production then we should yeah, probably be fired from our job no. you know like like the, the you know it's 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 disney-esque sometimes and disney-esque could often be seen as a um um a bad thing in this context i don't mean it in a bad thing it's it's massive it's crystal clear it's 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 and for my money wilderun stay on the right side of cheese whereas for 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 my tastes and what i like nightwish don't stay on the right side of cheese it's not mm. a dis- I, I, you know i have immense respect for night, nightwish they're just not my cup of tea but this is far more my cup of tea because it it goes right up to my cheese boundary and then jumps back from it like it does it does go right up to the line um but but overall i think they they hit that really really well and there's a lot more to it i mean not all of it is cheesy i mean the second song i was like whoa this is very power metal and there are big sprinkles of power metal all over this record Mm. um but then when he goes into that kind of i mean that that spidery acoustic guitar and that Ackerfeld sort of high registered, that really beautiful croon that Ackerfeld's got. He's got that. And then he goes he into that. There's like a, a really opethy driving death metal riff and that proper, that deep, like mm, that proper mm. Ackerfeld death metal vocal. You could, you could play some on this and go, Oh, this is a B side. You know, like I think there are parts of it that you could play people and go, Oh, they've just released uh, a load of B sides from, um, from like Blackwater Park era. And you play someone a bit of this and they go, Oh, wow, cool. They've, you know, they all they do is go, oh, They've really tidied it up on the production, haven't they? The that o- would yeah, probably be about it. The only thing I'd argue with that, that is the B sides thing because, I mean, in terms of the production and the amount of orchestration that's behind it, there's way more than Opeth have ever done. Mm. you know but so. i mean if you if you isolate it a bit where they don't have any of okay yeah orchestra, so if you said listen to this 20 second clip this is opeth mm. um mm. from back in the day mm. people would go oh yeah of course it is because it sounds so much like that his voice sounds like him both types of the voices um and it's fucking great i think it's so much great shit on here mm. um there's a bit on senseless core budding mm. where it goes fucking blast beat bananas mm. and then it just stops and goes into this sort of piano part 
and then it goes into this massive power metal part. Mm. And that's what I mean. Like there is a lot of power metal in it. And I'm not a big fan of power metal at neither, all. Neither of us are. But when you surround it with those that stuff. Exactly. It sounds really fucking cool. I mean, that trilogy of senseless core, um, budding, far from where dreams unfurl, senseless core fading. Mm-hmm. Like, which it's is basically monstrous. kind of one one song, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's fucking massive. It's great. It's fucking great. I think this is another album that is split into three acts, really. It has sort mm. of a very kind of, it's, you know, 66 odd minutes. It's quite a long record. I don't think it gets boring at any point. Um, yeah. I think it does sustain its length. Or uh, you, you disagreeing with that? Well, I, I, no, I, I do think you, they could probably, I mean, the last song, When the Fire and the Rose Were One, uh, it, it starts with a bit of very, very cheesy. Like when the, the, the first track started and it was a lot of like hey nonny nonny um mm, mm. uh like uh narration i was a bit like oh god um, similar and to it the, ends on a bit of that as well similar to like, the mm. yeah similar to the gretch record um there is some narration on here which does make my heart sink a little but again i would say at least even that is done well like they've clearly brought in a decent actor to do it and when you consider i mean bands like like you know the creeper record the first creeper record opened with that god-awful voiceover muse did it on drones you know the the voiceover stuff like far 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 bigger bands with bigger budgets etc etc fuck up that stuff far more than wilderun have i think yeah so yeah 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 i mean particularly at the start i was a bit like uh, what's this like straight straight away i did go yeah what is this in all fairness um, so was i the first time i heard it yeah um but then it didn't really bother me at all but it was at the end i was like there's still kind of five minutes left of this song and you're already going and thus the veil of imagination doth drop on yet another day and i was like ah should have just ended guys i i i agree but in total, I haven't counted how long it is, but in total, we're probably talking just maybe a minute of a 66-minute record. Yeah, I mean, it would still be well over an hour. If, yeah, um, well it over an well, hour. It would be an, over an hour. Even if you cut out all the stuff that I didn't like, it would yeah. still be an hour of really, really great fucking progressive death metal with bombastic, huge, heavy metal parts in it. Exactly. I've got nothing bad to say about this at all. Yeah, again, um, there are lots of similarities to to, uh, put with Gretsch, actually. But again, I really wanted to bring this in and sort of cheated my own rule with the because it came out in 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because um, some people jumped on this. Um, It was actually, you know, that website, Angry Metal Guy. It was actually their album Mm. of the year. So fair play to them for uh, for like jumping on this beforehand. But yeah. it hasn't been covered again it just feels like it needs it should be covered by a lot more people than it has been i feel like not to the same extent as gretch and i'm sure this re-release and it being on century media yada 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 i'm sure that will give it the push that it should and have and deserved if i'd heard this record last year it would have undoubtedly been in my top 20 i would say i would also say it would be it would have been pretty damn high I would have thought. Wow. Yeah, I mm, yeah, I mean it wasn't a great year for metal last year. Well, quite. Or maybe it, or maybe, maybe it was. It, maybe it was. We missed this totally. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that this would on its own turn this from a bad year. No. To a good year for metal. No, no, no. But I tell you what I will say is if we count on this reissue as 2020, which I'm going to do. Um <laughs> metal is this has been a fucking good year for metal. 
Yeah, it's been mu- I think much, this has much been better. A really good year for metal. Mm. I mean, even the stuff that we've not been mad, mad, mad keen on, like Sepultura, it's probably the best Sepultura album in twenty years. Yeah, yeah, um, it's been a much, least... much better year for metal. Certainly than last year. Um, yeah, it's mm. not been bad at all. Um, and there's been some really, 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 really good stuff come out. I think. I, I think this is. I mean, I mean, for me personally, I'm not going to include this in my top 20 for 2020 because I'm, you know, it came out in 2019. Um, but if we were, it would be, uh, it would be very, very high. It would be very high. Like there's, it's, it's, and it, and it's not what I tend to go for either. I mean, I do adore Opeth. We've talked about Opeth a lot, but bar that, you know, the a lot of the other. Uh, I mean, I, I mentioned Tirasas, um, and Angry Metal Guy mentioned Tirasas as well, and like. There is undeniably loads of that in it. And yet I still love it. Yeah. I think that's the sign of a really amazing record because Tiresis is not my cup of tea at all. No, no, no. But no. there's loads of amazing I, elements. It's kind of kind of an Oceans of Slumber sort of vibe, isn't it? As yes. well. Who have a new album coming Who out? Who have a new album coming out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a very good shout, actually. Oceans of Slumber. I mean, Opeth is the bullseye. I guess Oceans of I Slumber know. would be the, the treble 20. <laughs> um, or the or the out, nice. the out the outer bull um yeah yeah oceans of slumber is a good shout and yeah i mean i found myself going maybe i should listen to more power metal after i and then i sort of went oh, nah i'm all right tricky path <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm good actually yeah uh but there you go wilder run uh veil of imagination is out now it's been out for a little while um the next album we're going to talk about is Modern Rituals, This Is History, the second album from the London Bristolian Noise Rock Band. Uh, Again, not a band that I myself were familiar with musically, although I had heard the name um, before. Mm -hmm. So, Renfrey, what did you know about Modern Rituals prior to this record coming out? Yes, um, I had their debut album because um, it's released via Holy Raw and I had a Holy Raw subscription. So um, Mm -hmm. I was aware of their first album. Um, This is um, uh, relatively different to the first record. It's, yes, I think, Mm. as you say, it's a sort of noise rock type of thing. Um, But it's a real, I mean, this is a very, very interesting album, to say the least. There's lots of sort of... It, it's discordant and poppy at the same time. Um, it is. Yeah, it's a really... It it's, is it's, This is a record that on paper should not work. And yet, beautifully, it does, I think. Um, uh, there's a lot going on on it. And it, so, I mean, the opening track, Passageway, it makes it really clear that we're in for like a very, very trippy, off-kilter, weird journey. There's lots of sort of discordant violins and bursts of noise. It's mainly on acoustic guitar, which is playing a very, very odd arpeggio. Um, you could very lazily describe it as daughters by way of acoustic guitars, you know. Um, but then, you know, the next song has a kind of angular post-hardcore Fugazi vibe to it you know um well, that that's called the bull never wins mm. and it's a real weird mixture of kind of post-punk and metallic post-metal crush i think like i've described it as like if idols and neurosis decided to start a band together but weren't willing to change in any way <laughs> that's yeah, that's well again on paper that sounds like a fucking mess 
and yet somehow it works. I mean, it also sounds exciting. I want to hear what that sounds like. But yeah, yeah. But it, it somehow kind of works. It's there's there's a tension that goes throughout this record, like a tightly coiled spring that just sort of like unleashes every so often. But then occasionally, there's a song on this record, um, Them Days Is Gone. Um, mm. If it was re-recorded and had the edges shaved off a little, it could be a Weezer song, you know? It, it really reminded me of Maladroit era Weezer for some reason. Um, there's loads of like, there are songs on here that if they'd been approached in a slightly different sort of production style, I'm not suggesting they should have been, um, but... You, you could have easily had these songs as like very poppy, hooky, kind of almost dinosaur pileup type songs. But they've mm. kind of made this record which jumps between these two very disparate styles, but somehow make, makes it all kind of work and cohesive. Um, and it's just, I, I really wanted to throw it in just because it's like, this is like, a, a, it's a very difficult record to describe. But it's a really interesting, odd record. I also thought that you would really like it. Uh, yeah, I mean, God, it took me, I've got to be honest, it took me a while because it was quite a dis- disorientating listen. I thought it was Same. super heavy, super heavy and very discordant. And I was like, I'm not really sure what this is trying to be. It was like a kind of crushing version of McCluskey at first, mm. I thought it was. Um, just, just to interject there, I, I I was exactly, the first time I heard this record, I, I didn't like it at all, I have to say. It right, did take okay. me a few listens, but but now yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. And it kind of shocked me quite a lot. I mean, the fourth song, Ultima Thule, yeah. had, again, Sparta, this Sparta-esque verse, and which I thought was a kind of a, quite an atypical post-hardcore thing. Hmm. But the chorus is just noise and feedback and screaming and it just came in from nowhere and i was like what are you doing i don't know what you're doing i and just i describe next... that song as ian mckay front ian mckay fronting your your code name as milo which right, sounds okay. exciting to yeah. me yeah <laughs> you know? and then scratcher in the mash does a similar mm-hmm. thing and i was like and i sort of i i was like okay right at that point i was like they've got this kind of quiet quiet loud dynamic thing that they've going and they've got it down to a pretty fine art but mm. i did start to think i mean if if i'm going to get another seven songs of this i'm not sure how how happy i'm going to be come the end of the record because mm-hmm. we're only a sort of like four or five tracks in and to their credit i mean you mentioned um them days is gone mm. and when that came in i was like oh fucking hell this is mm. like really warm overdriven like pumpkins meets mud honey mm. and mm. and and it was like you say a, a a proper pop song and then they go back to sort of weirding you out for a minute and i was like yeah. oh, that's fine i was sort of ready for that after that little kind of pop moment um and my initial thought was like oh you know that when people talk about a, a song like that i think in a lot of people who you could get people who were these kind of noise rock aficionados who would go them days is gone why have they put that song in there that's not way that's too melodic why why it's not always about like oh they're trying to sell out or appeal to more people or they're going to use that as a single it's not always about that sometimes it's about making your album actually more interesting than it would have been exactly if they, that song wasn't in there and they just went straight through as the first sort of five songs were, I think I would have been fatigued as fuck by it the w- end of it. It would have been a lesser record, definitely. Yeah. And the, the other yeah. the other reason why I would argue with those idiots who would say that it's a cop-out um, is because it's not produced in in 
it's not produced in a way that suggests radio rock single i'm just saying that it could have been and it could have been absolutely massive but they've chosen not to do that which is a very interesting choice um yeah. it's a very difficult record to get a handle on isn't it and initially yeah, it initially i found that really off-putting and i will say it's really it's tricky to get your head around and you will have to give it a few listens i would imagine unless you're so sadistic that you listen to the latest daughter's record and instantly loved it or anything yeah. like that you know but but actually as well i mean i think it's worth saying that the second half of the record is a bit more subdued and it is a yes. bit more quiet and i like that they seem to have a grasp on both of those styles i mean some bands really suck when they start slowing down or being a bit more restrained but they actually, you know, a song like um, You Can't Tell the Man by the Song He Sings is a very slow, quiet song. And it's great. Yeah. You know, it's really fucking great. And, you know, we mentioned them days is gone. I think um, uh, Moses just Moses. before that as well yeah. is, is great yeah. as well. And, you know, they, they, they seem to be able to do quite a lot of things mm. um, in that are all quite sort of noisy and angular and um alternative sounding and it's very varied and it's very weird and it's very interesting it does need a lot of, i think you're right you you will have to concentrate and you will have to give your time much like we're asking for a lot of time this week to be put in to the records that you're going to be listening to because yeah. i think sorry for that um <laughs> yeah i think all of all four of the ones that we've spoken to so we've spoken to we've spoken about so far all yeah. of them are are going to need multiple listens before you really get the most and the best out of them i think well but that's sleep, not sleep, a bad thing sleep makes waves is probably the least complex record we've talked about so far. yeah it is yeah yeah <laughs> um but but you know i mean i i i i just i think this is a really interesting record it's a difficult record to love at first um but i do feel like the people who love this record are really gonna love it like really they're they're really gonna adore it i i i think it's really really interesting i get the sense when we are able to go to live shows again that seeing this live would really make it come to life and probably yeah. um um in bring the record up in my estimation even further um but i do you know if you if you are interested in that kind of, i suppose lightning bolt daughters that sort of thing this is kind of a you know a more palatable version of it but not a watered down version of it i think it actually if anything bringing in those dynamics in a sense make it even more even even more kind of sadistic in a weird way um it's very heavy mm. you know when it, it wants to like be. when i when i first put it on i was like is this some sort of post metal record and then you know it changed very very quickly but i was at first like oh is it an yeah. indie record yeah. and then i was like no well, what is this um it's very hard cool, to box it's very they're hard a cool to box. band mm, they are they're really yeah. fucking they're a really fucking cool band so that's this is the history i think i called it this is history before by you did, but that's fine. That's fine. fucking idiot this is the history <laughs> it's called Pretty. I'm really I'm really glad we reviewed it now as well because I reckon I did listen to it before it came out initially and I kind of put it aside and didn't go back to it for a while. Um and I think if if we'd reviewed it when it initially came out I might have been like nah it's a well I I might have been one of those people who was like oh it's just a tame version of Daughters but I I think that's missing the the point with this record mm. entirely. Um mm -hmm. so yeah it's 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 a very interesting record but only for a Good certain record. 
yeah, only for certain people. <laughs> All right, let's end the review section with the debut album from Detroit indie band Dogleg. Uh, the album's called Melee. Been a fair old bit of interest and hype regarding um, this band and their debut album. Um, I, I just I, want to say... I, I just want to say, all, well, I, I wanted to throw this in because as you rightly said, we've had four very difficult records to uh, to digest. And I was like, well, I can't be too sadistic and nasty to people. So I wanted to yeah, throw something I mean, that was a little bit easier. That was what I was going to say. I mean, some people right, could call okay. this... Pun- I said indie there. Some people call it punk. Some people could call it grunge somebody could some people could call it kind of post hardcore it's cool i really like it and unlike every other fucking record you brought in this week you can put it on and just enjoy it straight away so personally i was very grateful for that um yes i was thinking of you as well <laughs> yeah it kicks off straight away like a mix of hot water music and sammy am which is a great thing nice. i mean this is early emo heartland punk from the late 90s isn't it i mean if you love yeah. that pup material that we've been banging on about for yeah. the last couple of years i think you'll fucking love this right their anthemically ramshackle is how is what i decided to go with which i quite like mm. uh well done me much in the same way as pup uh dirty mm. nil can't swim that kind of yep. vibe um for me personally dogleg are a shade behind those three bands at the moment but then this is their debut album and you know it those is. bands that i've just named are on their either their second or their third record so i think that's perfectly fair enough um oh i'm going to mangle this so massive apologies but alex stoicetus stoicetus uh his oh, yeah, look at me. <laughs> his vocal melodies are often they're quite sort of throat shredding in the sense that he's obviously really desperate to get this there's an urgency to it that he really desperately wants to get this stuff out but at the same time there's always 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 a sense of melody behind it mm. always um and it, it i mean yeah it's it's another one of those great kind of yeah emo emo slash punk kind yeah. of hybrids I, mean, I i said heartland rock just because i feel like there's so much propulsion and energy and emotion behind all of it but if you're thinking me- a menzingers mm. sort of thing I, I think you mentioned the dirty nil it is much more dirty nil and then you've got you know they're a band who go for that kind of husker do alt rock thing yes. and get as close to those bands as like you say i think the the best of those bands that are trying to get for they are slightly i think behind um but they use some they've got some really cool little ideas they've got some really cool little chords um the start of head first sounds like a sort of um school band covering today by smashing pumpkins yeah. uh, which I, I is not an insult by any any sort of um stretch of the imagination hotlines is one of my favorites starts like mental blocks by three colors red but played in the sort of the heat of detroit rather than the reign of camden um i'm really glad uh, you've mentioned head first to hotlines because that that one two punch of those songs is it's is right mm. in the middle of the record and it's it's really good um, yeah i really and, like those songs this record they do fast ones and they do really fast ones <laughs> yeah. uh, something like fox which is the shortest uh, i think it's like three just under three minutes and it's all over the place mm-hmm. and i i mean i like the record a lot but i particularly when they do the fast ones mm-hmm. um they're fucking brilliant wrist is another great one mm-hmm. um yeah i think they've got potential to be uh 
up there with with the pups and dirty nils yes definitely potentially yeah 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 i mean this is a really really good start i think that um yeah that i mean that's a very astute point they do fast songs and faster songs i i think that is perfectly fine for this record uh for a debut statement as a state debut statement of intent i would like to see I'd like to see Dogleg do a s- slow songs on the second mm-hmm. album. And I think that's what they need to do to progress. But for this album, and, you know, it's 35 minutes long, something like that. For this moment in time, it's absolutely fine what they're doing. And if you went to see them live at the Underworld or something like that, they play pretty much this whole record, chuck a couple of songs from their EPs in as well, and you probably have a bloody lovely time. Um, I think in order to progress and become yeah up up there with the can't swims and the dirty nils and the pups they need to kind of expand their palette a little bit more but i think it's perfectly fine that it's um they're doing what they're doing at the moment uh on this yeah. album um, i think the one thing they don't have here's the other i mean I, I agree i think musically they they could probably add that third shade of yeah. you know being a bit more somber at points and i think that would make them really really cool and it would make the record really interesting um they don't quite have the the lyrics that those other bands write lyrics that with there's a couple of phrases in there yeah where you go that is so fucking cool yeah like um if this tour doesn't kill you i will by yeah. pup is always one that i'm like it's so fucking cool there are many many others from those bands but something like that nothing like that quite jumped out at me in the same way um that those bands did and that's not an insult because mm, mm. that's the, the lyrics aren't here on they're not rubbish. they're not they're bad not going, oh my no. god the rubbish but I actually, if, if I, think, can, I think the lyrics are good, but yes, I understand it yeah. absolutely what you're but saying. But you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like yeah. they, I, I think they could be so wicked, and because bands like this need to feel cool, they need to feel yes. like you know, like the sort of band who kick a music venue's bar door down, just walk in, neck a whiskey, and then walk on with the same you know sweat stained shirt they've been wearing all day, and they're just cool like motherfuckers. Mm. And I think if they had a couple of like phrases in um in in you know like someone like neil fallon does we're always going oh isn't neil fallon cool or keith buckley aren't they great with words i think if they could find a few like phrases for people to shout along with yeah um sort of things that would look good on the back of a t-shirt people would go fucking batty for this band they just really would yeah they they do have some yeah they do have some of those lyrical couplets which are or, or lyrical um phrases which are sing-along styly but at the moment they're not up there with the standard of the pups and the dirty nils and so on and so forth um at the end of hotlines there's a brilliant kind of i'm sorry to let you down lyric which is like screamed along it's like i can imagine like screaming that along at a show when i'm drunk and crying uh but (laughs) but you know but so so (laughs) at at a mono show as well (laughs) but the um so they kind of they do have that thing but yeah yeah i think those phrases could be even better um but but yeah they're absolute they're not bad at all it's just that's something no. else that they can continue to do but hey man this is a debut record and it's very very it is like i like i would say i like this album as much as i like the pup debut album now some people mm-hmm. will see that as sacrilege i personally think pup have got better with every single release but you know for to, if you're starting at you know the the debut pup record kind of level 
the and and you continue to grow then this we could be talking about and yeah another band that we chuck in with the pups and the dirty nails and so on and so forth well well whilst that felt like a, a real movement was happening a couple of years ago maybe two or three years ago when you take away can't swim and pup and the dirty nil being the kind of main ones i mean look at i think this is far better than say uh like the smith street band that australian mm-hmm. band had, mm-hmm. had their mm-hmm. album out and i was like this is pretty good at doing that sort of thing but it's not quite as good i'd have this over that mm. and they were a couple of albums in at that point so you know um good melee by dogleg i think there's one more thing to mention just because um i don't think this is exactly the same thing but another band you can put in there which we both like but we haven't liked anywhere near as much as anyone else i don't think is spanish love songs oh yeah how do you the think guy this... just cries all the way through <laughs> <laughs> i mean i do i think that is a good i think we both like that record it's just people are going kind of crazy for it aren't they it yeah like... i prefer i prefer that i mean i i find that guy exhausting right in Spanish right love songs right he just cries all the way through every song <laughs> i don't find it as exhausting as you he's, do i sort of he's, understand. Not, he's like a divorced aunt on boxing day like smashing the gin that guy he just <laughs> cries all the way through the entire record. <laughs> oh, God, he left me. Oh, your Uncle Jeffrey's gone, like the whole album. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the Spanish Love Songs album was all right. I don't understand why they would be considered the best or even, you know, in conversation with the best. Um, I actually found a lot of it very annoying. In fact, the fact that he's sort of on the verge of, you know, tears like he's had his lunch money taken. Um <laughs> Uh, it just, so it just feels would... like you're bullying him now <laughs> well he set himself up to be bullied by so do you know what i mean it's like he's like he's he's already been he sounds like he's been bullied i'm not bullying him i'm just saying he sounds like he's been bullied i like i feel for the guy he can't even record his album without breaking down like, you know? okay so you prefer like, you prefer this to that i, I prefer this yeah okay, i find okay. this much more enjoyable yeah put it that okay way. okay yeah um dog leg uh melee is out now uh right let's get this fucking done shall we broken records is how we're gonna end the show i mean i've really been loving broken records right it's been good it's been really good like you know even though it's been it's either been funny or it's been uh unbelievable or it's actually been an interesting way to to relook at an album that people haven't sort of properly looked at in the way that maybe they should have done at the time when it came out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the last few weeks, it's just kind of been sort of horrible. And this week's album is Theory of a Dead Man. The truth is uh, the fourth album from the Canadian Butt Rockers, uh, which was released on the 12th of July, 2012. Kind of amazing Ooh, to me. I've got they... 2011. Oh, have you? I thought it was 2012. Let me double check that. Renfrew. Oh, it's 2011. Um, my mistake. Sorry about that. It's, okay. uh, it's amazing that they managed to get this far into such a deeply mediocre career, essentially, theory of a dead man. Um, before we go any further, last week we crowned Double Wide by Uncle Cracker the worst album so far in our list. I can't, I said then, I can't imagine this getting knocked off the top spot for a very, very long time. Theory of a Dead Man, well, we'll get into it. But anyway, Theory of a Dead Man 
and were the first band to sign to Nickelback frontman Chad Kroger's 604 Records imprint a decade before this album came out in 2001. Um, much like we spoke about Uncle Cracker last week, really, this is another case of a band owing their entire career because they're mates with someone far more successful than they are. Yeah. Um, there was a hell of a lot of nepotism around that time and a hell of a lot of bands getting record deals just because the person who owned was <laughs> some big rock star was given their own label and was free to go and sign sort of 15 copies of something that they were already doing. And so a lot about man were that says a lot about Chad Kroger, doesn't it? I mean, um, Mike Patton, just to choose someone who's the polar opposite <laughs> of Chad Kroger. Um, he has his own label, Ipecac Records. And if you look at their, if you look at Ipecac's, um, discography there's there's stuff on it uh, ipecac that i absolutely adore there's stuff on it that i, I think is awful if i'm totally honest mm. but it's always interesting and it's always yeah. uh, i was about to say miles and miles away from the mike Patton sound i mean what the fuck is the mike Patton sound but it's always re you know it's not a load of carbon copies of bands is it um mm. I haven't listened to everything on Chad Kroger's imprint. What did you say it was called? 604? 604? 604 Records. But, uh, I, I mean, it, this is hardly a hot take, but fuck me, Theory of a Deadman sound like a uh, uh, dead man. God, not Deadman. I've, my whole fucking, well, my whole life, since this band have been a fucking thing, people, I mean... The, having Deadman as a surname anyway is a fucking shitter because people come up to you and they go, hey, hey, you're a dead man and it's like jesus christ at least the undertaker it, see yeah. even that is better you know but but the amount of people who have come up to me in my life and gone hey, hey, hey you're a dead man and then they usually immediately apologize because they realize what a fucking terrible joke it is for a short while especially when the debut theory of a dead man album came out there was a lot of hey theory of a dead man bullshit and i was just like it's not even a joke Rubbish. there there's not even a joke know, there do you want to know the best ever the the single best ever use of somebody's surname um yeah. ever in my yeah. life that I've ever heard my mate Gwill is fucking funny and there's a guy that we used to go to school with called daniel Grace. right now daniel okay. Grace, i'm not even i'm not i promise you i'm not making a daniel Grace, right I, was a couple of years below us at school about three years after he left school he'd shot up to be like six foot four right so everyone called him big d big daniel right now <laughs> we went out we went and played football and um we were playing football and it was pissing it started pissing down with rain and someone tackled daniel scrace and he fell on the floor and he landed in this big puddle and he got up and my mate Gwill walked over to him and he went oi you got mud on your face big disgrace <laughs> <laughs> i mean the best ever um yeah it's, it's the best it's off a, the top of your head it's good <laughs> off the top of your head it's good it's a it's a fallow uh it's not a very good uh source of jokes i think we'll both agree <laughs> well fair enough uh i thought it was very clever it's it's um, one of the best i've heard i will i will i will admit that but if that's the high water mark <laughs> yeah no fair enough fair enough yeah uh, um, what was i saying i was saying that um theory of a dead man sound like Nick nickelback yeah i mean yeah through and through uh, if you if uh, if you ask me to a b theory of a dead man and nickelback songs and you know say which one was which i would struggle i think would you mm. i assume 
if you took their album tracks obviously not how you remind me and rockstar yeah. all that shit but yeah i mean yeah. if you took their album tracks i would really struggle really I, struggle. I, yeah i i think i would as well um so over the decade or so between them arriving in this particular album they didn't really do very much here in the uk fear of a dead man i think it's fair no. to say um same as daughtry and hinder and any of these other bands that you know in the us and in canada and into northern america those bands that are fucking massive it's the hootie and the blowfish thing mm-hmm. again right they didn't do fucking anything here um although by 2011 because the music industry was changing and the way that people consume and take music on was changing to the point where the usual strongholds for genres were starting to branch out. So, for example, power metal could suddenly sell in the UK. Dragon Force were massive. Tourist Ass were massive, as we've just been discussing Tourist Ass. Terrible Eurodance could now fill arenas in the United States of America, which never, ever happened before. But suddenly all these kids in America were listening to sort of crappy Euro dance house music. And I think maybe most gallingly of all, arsehole Stetson-wearing wankers who grew up listening to fucking Kiss and Leonard Skinner and Van Halen but all formed bands when Stone Temple Pilots were massive (laughs) could now get a bit of buzz outside of northern america and it was second second week for stetson wearing wankers isn't it yeah yeah it is yeah Yeah. um so you know basically along comes another chance for the much ignored theory of a dead man to charge in on nickelback's coattails and uh have another pop at the lucrative download festival going div uk market um this is a year before refuse split up in fact and um i remember Refuse played the second stage at Download. I'm pretty sure I've said this before. In 2012, they played directly after Shinedown, kind of halfway down the, the right. second stage. And I watched, as I walked over to get a good position for Refuse, I watched a kind of mass exodus of people from that stage after Shinedown finished. And I was so... I've never been more compelled to just call a massive group of strangers cunts in my life. <laughs> just, and I stand by it as well. But... I felt then that there was a sort of something was happening, which I was not familiar with and I didn't like. And I was like, I don't want those bands. Because when when Creed happened and they got big in the UK, I was like, really, are we going to let this shit come over? And then when Nickelback got big, it's like, why are we? We laugh at these fucking bands. Mm. Like, Why are we? It was always a real sense of pride that even though there was so much shite in Britpop, you know and it was such a sort of like oh god so much of it i was like well i guess at least it means matchbox 20 aren't big over here Mm. and then they Mm. fucking went and got big anyway Mm. so it's massively depressing isn't it that i think it's depressing for people like you and me and i would imagine the majority of people who listen to this podcast um, i'm sure there's a few of you who like this band which um but it is quite depressing that this is I mean, this is this is popular music in in um, America and stuff like this. You you yeah. turn on the radio station in America, and this is the sort of shit that you hear. Um, and it's um, just just lowest common denominator sort of uh, rock music, really. It's um, I think to the, the, 
if I were to say there's no artistry in it whatsoever, that would probably be being ever so slightly facetious. But the level of artistry in it, really, it, it, it it's a commercial formula more than it is an artistic kind of movement, statement, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, there's it, it's artistic in, in the sense only that they're able to put a sequence of chords together, which sound quite nice. Um, Tyler Connolly, who's the frontman, is, manages to string some sentences together that at least make vague grammatical sense, although he does have a strange... Well, we'll get into the lyrics later. Um, I mean, the, it, it's... The, the formula is there's easy hooks to sing along to, there's easy things to sing along to, and the chords sound nice, and it's that done 12 times over, or fucking, what mm. is it, 16, 17, 18 Six, times over on the Deluxe eight, Edition? 18 in the Deluxe Edition. So you've got people like Caro Dioguada, who's an American songwriter, record producer, publisher, A&R person, um, who primarily writes for sort of pop artists, basically um she was a judge on american idol um which will tell you you know she's worked with people like jason derulo for example you've got howard benson who um if you ever talk to benji webb about howard benson howard benson produced it he produced loads and loads and loads of these bands if you talk to benji webb from skin dread if you ever get the chance about howard benson he fucking hates howard benson howard benson um produced babylon the debut skindred album uh and howard mm, benson right. just tried to take anything that was not bland kind of uber commercial radio rock out of skindred completely tried to take it out and they fucking butted heads so 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 much benji fucking hates him mm. um brett james cornelius an american country music singer um who has been credited with 494 recordings on various artists, including the likes of Martina McBride, Kenny Chesney, Roddy Atkins, Jason Aldean. And um, he wrote Carrie Underwood's 2006 number one hit, Jesus Take the Wheel, which mm. is rubbish, <laughs> basically. He, he, we, I should point out the 400, you say 494 recordings. He comes from the sort of Nashville school yeah. of com composition. So that... that it, it works a little bit. It's more factory like with Nashville, but, yeah. but, but yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, that's the type of people who were working on this new theory of a dead man album. When it came out, it hit number eight on the U S billboard 200. It hit number two, uh, in the Canadian chart, the rest of the world ignored it mm. except pathetic old Britain. Like I said, used to be so proud that we never bought this guff. Now it ended the UK chart, not that impressive, but a still fairly depressing number 68. Uh, the critics didn't like it very much. Rolling Stone gave it a one-star review, although I can't seem to find anything anywhere to quote from that. Q gave it the same score, simply saying there are no highlights, appalling. Uh, Consequence of Sound gave it an F, saying it was worse than a new metal reprise in that it doesn't give True Rages an outlet, but instead facilitates the same false machismo that tribal tats and fake bench press numbers suggest. This record is dull beyond words. The only people who could probably get off on the arrogant 
evidence of the truth is will be the same ones too drunk to mosh at your local rock show killing the party for the rest of us all music gave it one star as well saying a vocalist tyler Connolly, he doesn't sound like a self-described low life he sounds like a pretty boy pandering to frat boys on a spring bake on a spring break this isn't ugly visceral music it's castrated rock with a rotten heart kerrang gave it three k's mm. because this was kerrang in 2011 and they yeah. got everything wrong yes. back then um and yes. you'd think though this is just these sort of bands just media scum isn't it this is just the scummy out of touch snobby media slagging off a band that the people love well maybe not actually it actually has a lower fan score on metacritic than it does from the critic score so it's got 3.5 from the industry and 3.0 from the fans um i actually found so it's got a lower score from users than it has from people who actually are paid to review it that genuinely comforts me i'm yeah that's that's the only good news so far (laughs) that's the only good Um, news so far i thought i'd try and find a couple of contrasting reviews from the site uh you know just to see the writing styles and opinions of people who you know uh, like it and didn't like it so i picked one the last 10 that it got um or the only 10 that it got and the one of the many zeros that it got just to see if we can tell anything about the type of person who might be pro or con theory of a dead man so this is the zero this comes from just another user from the 20th of september 2011 <laughs> It says, contemptible, despicable, misogynistic musical abortion, awful, and just plain old crap. Words can't describe, eh? Uh, Well, you just did a pretty good (laughs) job. (laughs) Um, Words can't describe how awful this band and this album is. Seriously, this band is so much worse than Nickelback. This album is harmful, 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 harmful. Um, okay. Uh, in fact, given this album zero out of ten, it's still being too generous to this band. If only we could give negative grades. Just another insult to the legacy of grunge and the music of Canada. Arcade Fire, Wolf Parade, and Fucked Up will never redeem Canadian music if the country keeps releasing post-grunge crap like Theory of a Dead Man. Now, it does sound like it was written by you. To be fair, it does. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have used harmful four times to be fair, and I also wouldn't have used fucking seven words to say how bad it was, and then go words can't explain. But in the main, in the main, I definitely agree with the sentiment, and that seems like someone who's got rather good taste in music as well. Yeah. Um, now here's a review of for ten out of ten from the seventeenth of July two thousand and twelve. This is from CWC Gamer. And they say, this album is amazing. It is very catchy rock music. It doesn't deserve bad reviews at all. It's got some of the best songs I've ever heard. The instruments are well played and Tyler is an outstanding vocalist. I mean, if these are the best songs that you've ever heard, I would suggest (laughs) that you haven't heard very many songs or any songs, maybe. Um, This is the thing though, isn't it? There you go. This is music that caters itself to an audience who are people who are not us. It caters itself to a pe- to an audience of people who say they like music, but they don't really like music, do they? They, they, they like a nice tune. They like something to sing along to. They don't like having to think too much. Um, and it is really just something, a kind of soundtrack to 
drink beers to or to drive to or not at the same time kids um you know or something like that 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 is what this music the last time the people that did that woke up they were living in america so they live in a free country so you can't tell them take away their third amendment rights to stop them from drinking and driving their pickup trucks at the same time who the hell do you think you are this is an afghanistan i mean that would be funny if that wasn't what was going on in the world right yes, now whilst theory but... of a dead man plays in the background um, yeah exactly um, yeah those are the people you're talking about well more or less and you know there are you know some people will be like well you're just being snobby about it and it's like i'm also correct about it though (laughs) so you know if if i am snobby here's the thing right here's a little like i mean as we've been speaking today i i went on i stuck up for bush on twitter today and we, Mm. we reviewed the bush album very positively last week obviously the record before that it was rubbish right mm. now bush are a band who were you know called nirvana clones and sellouts and all these kind of things there Gavin are Rostel, there Gavin are certain Rostel used to there, sing there are certain critics who would put bush in with the theory of a dead man dead man's it's what you're yeah. trying to say i think yeah yeah whereas gavin Rostell used to sing bits of fucking kerosene by big black in the yeah. middle of their biggest song in front of the arenas full of people. Um, you may not like Bush and you may not think Bush's music is very good. And you might think they're a kind of basic grunge band and they got lucky. A lot of that is possibly true. But Bush at least <laughs> are somehow related to the idea of alternative music. Whereas I don't think this is at all. I don't think this has got anything to do with anything other than how quickly and how many records you can fucking sell. Exactly. That's all it is. This has got nothing to do with grunge. This has got nothing to do with punk alternative music. This has barely got anything to do with rock music, I don't think. I I would say it's a pop album made using rock instruments. Um, Mm. um, Sometimes you can do that in a really brilliant way. I would, I would argue Jagged Little Pill, you could argue, is a pop record made, made with rock instruments. Um, but this, but Jagged Little Pill feels like it's genuinely, there's some actual emotion in it. There's, you know, she's actually saying something. The songs are really good. There's a lot of dynamics on it. I mean, you know, fucking hell, comparing this to Jagged Little Pill. Uh, yes, this this feels like, what is the formula that we can use to make as much money as possible? And that, and that's that's what all this music feels like. Absolutely, like if Theory of a Dead Man had been born in Birmingham, they would sound like the Libertines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If Nick, and I'll tell you what, if Nickelback had been born in London, the members of Nickelback, they would sound like, Nickelback would sound like Oasis, mm. and mm. and fucking vice versa. If Liberty, if the Libertines had been born in Texas, they would sound like. And I know you're probably going, well, yeah, because that's. You know, people would you, they'd be a completely different upbringing and blah. blah. Mm. What I'm trying to say is, is that those people are. I don't think Bush sound like Bush because Gavin Rossdale went. Oh, we there should be a British grunge band. Mm. I I think he just make, was making music and that shit got big and he was like, hmm, we could probably tailor ourselves to that a little bit. But then the reason that it sounds so so close to being nirvana or soundgarden or whatever copyists is because gavin rostell probably legitimately was listening to 
the same music that Kurt Cobain was listening to. Mm. <laughs> whereas i don't you know hence why he sings big black songs at the end of their set yeah, yeah. i don't think theory of a dead man would have have got nothing to do with anything regarding grunge at all it's just been filtered down over the years to the point where and, and even does this even sound like grunge at any point at all it sounds miserable and he's going which is usually sort of considered grungy but really i mean the bitch came back, which is the second song on it, sang to the tune of the dog came back the very next day. Um, <laughs> but it's not a dog in this song, is it, Renfrey? It's just a stupid girl. Ha 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 ha. A mm. stupid bitch. Imagine him, her being in love with him. Fucking idiot cow trying to sing along with his songs. What a bloody fool. She's better when she's down on her knees. Ha, ah, she couldn't stay away. I, I cannot understand why this young woman keeps going back to this fucking tosser, to be honest. Like, if you're listening, young lady, you have definitely dodged a bullet by well, this person not wanting to be with you because you are definitely better than he is. Fuck this guy. <laughs> There's a story from Billboard which can fill this in a little bit, which is this is a very this is an interesting story to say the least, I would say. Um so Tyler Connolly, he's the vocalist of the band. He sounds a little surly on The Truth Is. The Canadian hard rocker's just released fourth studio album. It's wholly intentional. Connolly went through a divorce last year and he freely acknowledges that seeped into everything he wrote, whether in the tongue-in-cheek form of the title track Bitch Came Back and Gentleman or in the more heartfelt pains to easy of Easy to Love You and Hurricane. A lot of it stems from the relationship ending, Connolly, who has moved to Los Angeles, tells Billboard.com. Ending not to my liking, me having to deal with the consequences, continuing life in a strange city all alone. It's all true, which is a good thing. <laughs> It would be funky if people were like, why does the album sound like this? And I'd be going, I don't know. Um, Connolly adds that he found it easy to dig into his personal experiences for the 12 song set, which he considers to be a personal evolution as a songwriter. It used to be hard, so I think I'm becoming more secure, Connolly explains. In the beginning, the late 90s and early 2000s, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know what the songs were, what half the songs were about. But this time, having producer Howard Benson too, he'd go over every single word with me and go, what does this mean? I'm not clear what you're trying to say here. And that made everything stronger. Howard's point was when a 14-year-old girl listens to a song on the radio, she doesn't focus on what the bass is doing or the guitar noodling. She's just really listening to what I'm saying. So everything had to make sense. This feels like an appropriate time to quote from the lyrics, something I like to do. So a 14-year-old girl is listening to I like her so much better when she's down on her knees because when she's in my face, that's when I'm starting to see that all my friends are laughing, think that we be wrong. Well, she's so fucking stupid that she's singing along. The trouble with girls is they're all the same. Forget the diamonds and pearls, they just want a ring. Before you know it, you're like a dog on a leash. Well, you can try and change the world, but you won't change me. That's from The Bitch Came Back. Um, it's just kind of... What a bitter, <sighs> nasty, small-minded fucking misogynist. No, I mean, I was going to say misogynistic. I, I, I mean, I think it's even worse than that because it doesn't just... I, I mean, he obviously does hate that particular woman. I think we said again with Glassjaw, you know, mm -hmm, you sometimes mm -hmm. have to go, he's in a bad place. He's in a very bad place at the moment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that slide. But I tell you what, as much as I would be kind of willing to let that slide, I just think that just sounds like you hate people. 
Do you know what I mean? You hate the humanity. You hate the idea of anyone, the kind of the idea of there being good in anyone. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think there are, I, I'm glad you brought up Glassjaw, but um, uh, because I think it we, we would be, some people would accuse us of being um, hypocritical if we didn't bring up Glassjaw, but there are many, 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 many differences. For starters with Glassjaw, I went on and on and on about how Daryl was very, 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 very young when he wrote those lyrics. Um, I haven't actually worked out how old Tyler was, but he was definitely over 18, 19 um okay he's 44 now nine years ago he would have been so he was 35. 35 no he was okay so he was my age when he wrote those lyrics he was 35 years old when he well when when the song bitch came back came out and he was i like her so much better when she's down on her knees you know um there she goes again, just always breaking my balls. No matter what I do, somehow it's always my fault. She says I must be cheating because I turned off my phone, but that's the only freaking way she'll leave me alone. I mean, like, you're 35 years old. Fucking hell. Um, you know, for starters. And then it's just so... I, I feel with... I feel that this is done in their their kind of um, defense for this is like, oh, it's only tongue in cheek. And these are the kind of conversations that people have all the time. We've all heard the kind of rhetoric of like, um, I don't know, men getting together and having a few beers and then being like, oh, women, they're all the same. They're all emotional wrecks. And locker room talk. Locker room talk. Donald locker room Trump talk. likes to call it. Yeah, 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 yeah quite. Um, and, you know, in the in with regards to balance women do it to an extent as well in a very very different way but you know there are women who will go say phrases like his brains in his dick and stuff like that or or i don't know that kind of thing but i i just think putting that sort of putting that sort of thing into a song like the fact that he said that we sat down with Michael Benson and went over every word. What are you trying to say here? What are you trying to say when you say I like her so much better when she's down on her knees? It's like there's I nothing. Know. I think we know. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> like I, there's nothing profound about this. There's nothing. And he's sort of trying to make out that it's profound. And it's really we're talking about someone who's even admitted to the fact that they can't be bothered to put together a song and have it actually be about something for the first three records of their career he's just singing stuff because it's not about the words is it it's about it's about just melodies and singing along blindly drunk and just doing oh it, i fucking hate this shit <laughs> i'm i'm struggling yeah. i'm it's just fucking it's worthless it's worthless that's what it is yeah it's utterly worthless and devoid of any artistic merit bar stringing a few chords together which sound nice mm. I mean, there's a bit at the end of one of the songs where he goes, ha, 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 that was good, mate. No, it wasn't, no, it wasn't. at all. It was fucking rubbish. There's also the song, What Was I Thinking?, where Tyler wakes up in his hotel room with a hangover and asks, what was I thinking? What was he thinking, Renfrey? He's got <laughs> girls outside his window and girls outside his door. What was he thinking? He's got a house in every city. He's got a life that is too easy. But all he wants is the girl, probably the girl who he called a bitch four songs ago, mm. um, who used to keep coming back, but eventually went, all right, well, you're a tosser. I am really going this time. Um, and musically, it's... So again, you know, it's this bravado... It's kind of bravado-filled, but also meant to be like, oh, poor me, self-loathing. It's 
pathetic. Mm. Uh, and musically, to bring it up again, it's country pop. I mean, is there a worse type of sound in the world? I think fucking kittens being tortured sounds better than like country pop music. It is fucking horrible. I mean, uh, as, I mean, as you're making that comparison, I will take these songs over Uncle Cracker. But but yes, broadly, yes, I agree with you. It sounds fucking shite. Um, yeah. Just to just to finish off the um, uh, point about his ex-wife, uh, her name's Christine Connolly, and she has um, three writing credits on this album uh, for the songs Low Life, The Truth Is I Lied About Everything, and What Was I Thinking? Um, and this album predominantly is about his breakup with her so i don't know if that's like a a, a kind of nasty like um jab at her or if they're genuinely songwriting credits or i don't know she also has a um writing credit on a song called does it really matter which is on the special edition bonus version which i'm assuming neither of us listened to because 46 minutes of this was more than enough um to ascertain that it's total fucking bullshit um, no, I did listen to the special edition. Did actually. you? I just, oh, I just yeah. binned off. I just binned off the acoustic tracks. So oh, okay, yeah, fucking. Um, mm. I, I t- it's it, there's just something. I mean, with Daryl and Glassjaw, it's a moment in time captured. It's it's an ugly moment in time captured, um, but it's it feels authentically real and it's at least interesting. It's holding up a mirror to something which is a really ugly part of your life, but it's also something that he showed repentance for, you know, and it's something that um, we've talked a lot about doing stuff when you're very, very young, which you look back at five, ten years later. And I mean, there is some fucking embarrassing shit I did around the age Daryl wrote those lyrics. I think when you're a 35 year old man, there is no fucking excuse to, mm, to write shit true. like this. There's no yeah. fucking excuse. Yeah. If you didn't um, listen to the full version, you probably didn't listen to We Were... Oh, no, We Were Men is the last... No, uh, yeah, We that. Were Men was the last... Yeah, yeah, yeah kind Going of... Going on about war. Bloody love, bloody love war. Yeah, yeah, Plodder, war, like, absolutely. Mm. Um, there's a one on uh, on the special edition, actually, which you probably didn't hear, called um, called Villain. Right. Um, which has got a bit of a sort of pop-punk pace to it, and they probably thought they sound like Pennywise, but they actually sound like Busted. Um, <laughs> and there's a line in it called, Everybody Wants to Be Like Me. I don't, mate. No I would rather be a Syrian refugee than have to play that song on stage every night. Mm. I do not want to be anything like you whatsoever. I would rather be a, an insect that lived for... 90 minutes and then got squashed by or sprayed with fly spray than I would be you. (laughs) Your fucking life looks awful. Having to play and sing these terrible songs night after night. No, thank you. No, thank you. I do not want to be like you. People use that argument sometimes though, don't they? They go, well, but but he's successful. You know, they're an arena selling band. He Mm. he plays, plays music to... Um, tens of thousands of people every night when they're on tour, you know, they're like, well, surely, surely you'd want to be like him. If, if, if a genie came out of a lamp and said, you can either be in a theory of a Deadman style band and you'll be mega famous and you'll have women coming out of the wazoo, not euphemistic, although also euphemistic, um, you know, (laughs) um, or you can be in a band that, you know, 
struggles financially um often plays to just sort of 10 people a night some occasionally you'll have the a great show at the black heart where you sell it out or whatever but you have some fucking something to say and something that you're expressing and something that you're passionate about which would you rather have there are some there are some people who wouldn't believe me when i say i would much rather have the latter and this is music for those people who can't compute that there is more to life than fame and success and money and cowboy boots and cowboy boots yeah i mean there's basically three types of songs on there there's rootin tootin countryfied pop singalongs <laughs> there's earnest ploddy hard rock over-emoting quote-unquote real music and then there's this sort of upbeat but bland post-grunge number that doesn't appear to be about anything at all 16 tracks i got into it and you get the two acoustic versions that i just binned off i mean the the normal version um uh, or the, the kind of the the, the last song um on the the bonus edition ends with a song called better or worse mm. so Let's decide this album, better or worse. Well, I think it depends what you're comparing it to, really, doesn't it? Um, 99% of other albums ever made, worse. Um, Jack and Jill by Adam Sandler, that's worse as well. <laughs> Having your wisdom teeth removed, yeah, it's worse than that. Having to watch a beloved childhood pet be put down, yeah, worse. Uh, a fire at a children's hospital, yes, still worse than that. The nuclear destruction and obliteration of all of modern society yet yeah, still worse but uncle cracker better uh, <laughs> yeah fair um okay oh god um right uh just 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 for a little bit of kind of aftermath of i think we've kind of talked about the album we people know what we think about it um theory of a dead man went on to open for i think it was either alter bridge or blackstone cherry one of those lot uh wembley arena the opening band the bottom of a four band bill in 2014 um and that's when their next album savages came out um i remember them getting an ounce for it and i'm laughing a lot uh because I, I'd never heard the name Theory of a Dead Man come up for sort of like 15 years. So it obviously shows how much I was paying attention. Um, it only came up because I was on Team Rock, uh, Team Rock Radio. And I sort of had to plug guff like that. And I remember being like, make sure you get down early to see Theory of a Dead Man. Lol. I kept doing that on the radio. And there were people, I actually did genuinely have a few people tweet bullshit about how great they were and were really fucking angry at me because I was kind of every day openly mocking them on air. I think we had to keep playing one of their songs. And I was just like, nobody cares about this band in this country. Nobody mm. cares. No one cared 15 years ago. No one cares now. Just go home. Just don't bother coming around here with your fucking, you know, your Stetsons and your cowboy boots and your stupid yarly noises. Fuck off. Um, so yeah, Team Rock listeners were twats. Not all of you. If you listen to this, and used to listen to me on the radio. I don't mean you, but the rest of them, the worst. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, better than Uncle Cracker, Renfrey. Where the fuck do we put this? Um, <clears throat> I, uh, okay, I'm a bit embarrassed to say what I'm about to say. Okay. Whilst I do think this is lowest common denominator bullshit in the main, so is a lot of this stuff on this list. So is a lot of the stuff on this list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I will, I will also confess that when he's not being a misogynistic prick and and um, 
they occasionally are capable of writing within this style of music what a song which i think is at least passable or even maybe quite good in a sort of five finger death punch wrote some quite good songs on fate f8 whatever um a song like drag me to hell i think is is passable uh you know it's hardly a recommendation but i do think it's passable hurricane i think is is okay uh i'm not going to be going back to it anytime soon but i think it's all right uh i mean that might well be it so we are talking about two songs out of the 12 that i listen to as i only listen to the standard record but automatically because of the absolute level of shit that we have in there it actually places it um mm. certainly far away well quite further away from uncle cracker than people might assume from the way that we've been going on about it so i just wanted to throw that in there because i think yeah in terms of what they are trying to do is write commercial music for idiots to sing along to right and actually sometimes they manage to do that quite well so mm. in that sense it's not a total failure Yes. I mean, I'm going to say this, right? There's one band here that stick out for me uh, that remind me of Theory of a Dead Man. Mm-hmm. And that band are Viva Brother. Because mm. that thing I said about you fucking chances, you absolute bandwagon hopping wankers. Viva Brother and their, we're bringing back Britpop. Mm. You know, we used mm. to be a, an emo band and then mm. we heard Blur and we decided to do that this is that isn't it essentially this is the same thing so it comes down to who is better at writing songs in a very object you know objective way who is better at writing songs out of viva brother and theory of a dead man you've also got louis the 14th there and louis the 14th are mainly there because of their pretty gross lyrical content and although there's a lot of gross lyrical content on this it's not quite as gross as louis the 14th it's gross in a different a way rapey aren't they well yeah. louis louis 14th louis the 14th had that song about kind of sneaking into someone's room didn't they and mm. like watching them sleep or something oh god yeah, you so know, it's not quite that bad yeah this is just i mean unfortunately oh it saddens me to say this unfortunately this record is saying what a lot of people you still hear this rhetoric all the time of like oh silly mm. men thinking with their dicks or silly god silly women and their emotions getting the better of them blah 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 that sort of rhetoric is out there loads like loads mm. and loads and loads so i don't think it's as abhorrent as the louis the um 14th stuff in that sense yeah i'm certainly not a supporter of it but you know there are people there's several people who do think along those lines um mm. oh it's Viva, so I think it, it's it's above Louis Fourteenth. It's mm. either it's either Louis Fourteenth, uh, Theory of a Dead Man, Viva Brother, or Louis the Fourteenth, Viva Brother, Theory of a Dead Man, and then Dirty Vegas. My vote, I think my vote goes for Louis the Fourteenth, Theory of a Dead Man, Viva Brother. I think. Yeah, me too. Um, just I don't quite know why. I think it's no. because Viva Viva Brother are just just dickheads, aren't they? Like they're stupid. It's like, mate, give it. Like you weren't even a thing. You kind of have to feel a bit almost. They're kind of pathetic, aren't they, Beaver Brother? They're kind of like harmless because there was no second wave of Britpop, mm. and it didn't happen. It was a disaster. Whereas these lot, they're playing arenas in America, and they're yeah. you know they got to number eight, they got number two in Canada. They've had a long-lasting career. People do actually like them, and that is 
quite infuriating. There's nothing really infuriating with Viva Brother. It's kind of funny that they went, we're going to be the next big band and then split up six months later because no one gave a shit. So I would say yes. I've also, I've also just noticed, I, I was curious to see what venues they do in uh, in London. Uh, uh, and yes, um, they do do arenas in, in uh, sort of Canada and, and, and um, North America. Uh, last time they were here, November 23rd, 2019, they did the Electric Ballroom. I've noticed that they went into one of their songs, Santa Monica, covering Nutshell, which upsets me greatly. They covered oh, Chris Isaac's Wicked Game. And they also like everyone, like everyone. And uh, they also introed their song Bad Girlfriend, which is fucking atrocious uh, with Paradise City. So that makes me really despise them even more. Um, but uh, yes, um, I agree with everything. I think I think fitting them in between. Uh, oh, you've literally just said it. Um, Fever Brother and Fever Brother 14th. and Louis the Fourteenth, I think, is probably the best place for them. I would have thought. Mm. Yeah. This has been a very, I've put them in there. Uh, this has been a very, very hard couple of weeks mm. on, um, <laughs> on this segment. And I am praying to God as I put my hand in it now. I mean, I don't expect to get an album that I'm like, this is great, but can we at least get one that's interesting? Cause the last couple of weeks yeah. has been just fucking, I mean, listening to this after listening to uncle cracker, um, I know nothing about this record at all. So that's an improvement at least. Okay. D.D. King, Standing in the Spotlight. Oh, I think that is D.D. Um, Ramone. I think that's D.D. Ramone. Is Yes! D.D. Ramone. <laughs> D.D. Ramone. I'm so from, excited. I didn't realise he was called D.D. King. D.D. Ramone from, uh, the, Ramones. from the Ramones. His... His hip hop album. Oh, good God. Wow. Oh, okay. So, oh, well, at least that'll be interesting. The, uh, you know, the, the universe has delivered Renfrey. Oh, thank um, for that. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, DD. Ah, yeah, of course. Um, okay. So next week, DD Ramone's solo album. Uh, plus albums from Rufus Wainwright, Static X, Sports Team, Mother Vulture. I think we're going to try and do all of those. Maybe couple of other He's bigger ones another big as one, well we? yeah, yeah. yeah um so that's that we'll be back next week covering them and oh thank fuck for that we've actually got something which will at least be f- funny and bizarre to listen to rather than listen to fucking blob face twats i think the theory of a dead man if seether had come out i think i would have just quit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think i would have just quit <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just not like, good, man. Ugh, not can't good. Can't do this anymore. No, it's fucking hard to listen to those bastards. Uh, all right. Anyway, see you next week, everyone. It's been lovely. Go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. And there should be a brand new writers review coming for you in a few days time. Uh, and that will be on Angels and Airwaves. Angels and Airwaves. Another band who... I didn't want to listen to. <laughs> Mate, I would listen to Angels and Airwaves 10 times over Theory of a Dead Man. Fucking hell. I think unbelievably, so would I. <laughs> and, on that bo- and on that bombshell, that is the end of the podcast. See you later. <laughs>